Okay. This is Walter Simonson for 11 O'Clock Comics. Tune in. This is Louise Simonson for 11 O'Clock Comics. It's awesome. <laughs> bit of something in my throat there. I don't know what it was. Did you hear it? I, I thought, wait, was he, was he letting me count down? No. Oh, you mean the little, oh, the delay? You know, the three, two. No, well, it's not, uh, I'm not a metronome. I'm a human being. Well, well, so I'm not, you know, recording news in a studio, so I wouldn't have seen you it's on true. stage. It's not a magazine show. <laughs> <laughs> I never will let that go. <laughs> Never. All right, that one hit me late. That hit me late. I just so, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I gave Dap the giggles. Holy shit, Dap's got the giggles tonight. It's gonna be going. It's good. I didn't even look up the pen tonight. It's a little. It's gonna be an odd episode. Yes. Yeah. For reals? Well, yes. It's gonna be strange because, well, you'll find out soon. If you want to just wait a couple seconds, because this is 11 o'clock comics. Episode 699. Damn! Yeah. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. And you have been for most of the 699 episodes you've been here for. I am David A. Price. I can vouch for that. And I am N. Sabanur. Ooh, X of Swords coming our way, I'm thinking. Nah, I haven't read it yet. Uh. <laughs> I just love, I don't want to say these two words together because they bother me, the trade dress. I loved the, the design and packaging, which is more cumbersome, I get it, uh, than trade dress. But I love the, the whole overall aesthetic that they're bringing to X of Swords. I like it a lot. But you're not Ensabanur for this. What is this, about the 250th episode for him now? Right? Been in a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, there's you're, been some consecutive ones. Uh, but yeah. Rarely, right. but still, right. Jason Wood here, everybody. And this is the reason why I say it's going to be a little of a weird episode, because the list of specials is not up yet. I knew that was coming. Yeah, it's only the first of the month. So, you know, we can hold down the fort until the list goes up. But I'm just saying, Defenders Omnibus, yo. That's all I'm saying. Um, DCBService.com is the place to go. To get your comics extra cheap, extra fast, and extra efficiently, you tell them what you want every month. You plunk down your little keyboard, doink, 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 I want this, I want this, and I want that. Oh, look at this. I didn't know this even existed. I'm going to get that too. Bing. You put it all down, and in a couple of um, months, they come winging their way to your home. It is the easiest thing in the world to do. To order comics online and get them super fast and super cheap. DCBService.com. Remember, get that Defenders Omnibus. That's some yes. great stuff there. Pages As, marked for uh, my previous video. But like yeah. Jason said, it's about damn time. Why did we have to wait till 2020 for a Defenders Omnibus? And that is a cool looking omnibus, no lie. But I also have my eyes on the, um, on the one a page or two before that, the uh, Roger Stern Amazing Spider-Man Omnibus. Because those are some good stories. Well, yeah, I can't fault you for that. I really can't. But there's a bunch of big books that I want this previews. The yeah. Superman Batman Generations by Byrne. That shit's great, yo. I, it, so it is. That, it is. Wait, when when did you read it? When it was coming out? Yeah. 
and and you you're not you don't think well like when when did you revisit it like you're not you don't think you're, you're oh i haven't i haven't read it since i originally bought them and read them because i think some of and again you know we, we we do this with with movies with with shows comic books things can be of their time and, and a little dated and, and maybe even cause some cringe when yeah. you read it with today's sensibilities. And I think there's a few things in those stories that make you ask, the fuck were you thinking, John? I, that's many things, right? Of John Burns, but I don't ex- expect it to be the instant way back machine. I, I'm, I know, right? I don't even remember most of it. I just remember back in the day, loving it as they were coming out. And what's what's weird is, and it's it's odd that, um, I mean, maybe it's because people were looking at the DC Connect last week or so, but um, the Burns name came up again, and and on on Twitter, and and people were passing around stories yeah. about meeting Burn and and don't meet your heroes and how he acts in person, but they were also talking about the tropes he revisits in in his books and um and yeah of course the whole barda superman porno shoot is one thing but um we still remember it though i mean yes, we do be the and, the content as it may right it's nasty stuff but we still remember it absolutely yeah. and 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 yeah one of my it was his first year working on the character but you have um but there's there's a moment and and it and i they were putting it in in context because it was also very much the same thing that happened with um mcdonald hudson when heather met him and and she was much younger than mac and so Byrne seems to have this thing where he has no problem with much older men with much younger women and there's a scene there's a there's a sequence that plays out in one of the generations um where a 14-year-old Lana Lang begs and pleads with a well-into-his-50s Superman to kiss her because when, when they leave, she won't remember this, and it's it's the only time she'll ever have this happen. Um, and and so please, and, and he does. And it's a full-on mouth, whole tongue, and... Again, in context, reading it at the time, you might not think much of it, but when you look at it in conjunction with everything else Byrne has done and the stories he's told, and then you just see this this older Superman with this barely teenage girl, um, it, it can make people feel some kind of way. Well, now I'm going to have to get it. Right. You just sealed that the deal. You. Yeah. That's right. I know. I don't remember that, honestly. It must be in Generations 3. It's either in 2 or 3. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know if it's in the first book. Yeah. Jason, why are you so quiet, my man? Did... Hmm. The, stand, the, the mute button's too far away on the stand. No, it says he left. This what is... is just, I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's strange. Why would he leave? We didn't piss him off. <laughs> no, I got disconnected. I don't know what happened. Wow. I think, and again, this is going to make me sound like a Luddite, I had muted to open up my drink so as not to disturb y'all's talk about generations. And then when you asked me the question just now, I went to unmute and I think I hit disconnect instead. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you want to keep through the software? I have never. That's you're just discovering why I think I made the mistake. I had never done that before because my old mic had a mute button. Right. But this new one does not. Oh shit! That's so. I was like, oh, I'll mute it so I don't disturb their talk while I open this beer can, and uh, this is what happens. I got disconnected. Oh, is that some of that fancy IPA beer that you're drinking? Ah, yeah, it is. I'm drinking the Holy Hermit New England Imperial IPA. Funky looking bottle. Can. How, How can you see the can? Because you can look on the Slack. And uh, for you, for you IPA folks, it's a oh, seventy it IBU. So I think that's pretty hoppy, right? That's a pretty yeah, high. It's, I, it's not oh. as as high as I like it, but yeah, that's not bad. Well, it's a dull. It's a. It's an. Uh, Cliff says that the imperial IPAs mean they're more alcoholic. Yeah, alcoholic. It's like so. a, like a bunny. This is a. Let's see. Eight and a half percent ABV. Nice. Yeah, Respect. that's great. My daughter... So I was being quiet because I don't know anything about the generations books, like mm. nothing. So it's a it it's it's Burns' take on it's an Elseworlds series. It, it started off with a, a four issue miniseries, and then yeah, the generations two, right? Uh, it, it it was I think it was after his OMAC miniseries, but uh, so there, yeah. there was generations one, then generations two, and then there was a twelve issue generations three series, and basically it's what if. Batman and Superman aged in real time, and it has okay. their 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 offspring and, and everything else. So it's 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 Burns' take on on two of DC's Trinity, but um, but it's it, it's also in some degree it's Burn being Burn and and going you know doing things that you wouldn't see in in the normal um, canonical uh, series. Right. Listen, I'm wondering. It seems like most of these legends, including our recent interviewee Roy Thomas do the convention scene these days because they need the money, or at least it's too good to pass up. But I don't think Byrne, like, ever, ever does cons. The so, last time I remember him at a con, I don't think I don't know if it was San Diego last year or if it was something since, but um, he was only at the IDW booth. He was there to sign his artist edition and Star Trek books. Um, but he, I don't think he was doing... I don't think he was doing sketches or any sort of commissions, but it's like I think Scott Dunbeer might have might, might have um, pleaded for him to come out, and he did. And and that's but yeah, Burn. Uh, but to your point, no, I don't. I don't think Burn usually hits up the con circuit. Well, he's a robot anyway, so no, I know. But I guess what I, my point was is is where does he get the Scott all from to not have to do this stuff? Massive commissions, probably. I don't know, dude. You know, I mean, I'm I'm plugged in on the art scene. I haven't seen a John Byrne commission. Of any he kind. may just refer to people on his forum. Uh, I think he does. I, mean, I they think would he show up. They would show up on the. I mean, they'd show up the in Facebook, cafe, yeah. Show up yeah. And... There's a burn Facebook group, um, but I think also, I'm I'm guessing maybe royalties. I mean, he's got to be. It's uh, every so often you'll. See, I mean, obviously there's the generation stuff now. There's the Superman stuff that DC's putting out in in the Man of Steel books, but um, yeah, I don't know how much that. That floats him. I really don't know. Maybe his yeah. whichever wife he's up to now makes oh, money. I don't snap. know. Oh, he's been married a couple times. Oh, respect. Uh, by the way, speaking of Scott Scott Doonbeer, before we jump into the comics, I have a few anecdotes. I was because now that you mentioned him, I was you. I sparked. listened to that episode during dinner. Well, but you you listened to one of the episodes. I, I you're talking about the Felix episode? Yes, the secret one. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, this week the uh, comic. Art Calf, the Calf guys, who have been doing a weekly video show, um, 
had Scott on for a chat as well on, I guess it was probably Monday night. And so I was chilling, had it on in the background while I was working on my computer and listened to him. So I've heard Scott talk twice now. And one thing for those out there, it's actually Scott Dune beer. Never knew yes. that until yeah, Felix. Because um, we all say Dunn beer. But so you heard a few of the so if you heard Felix's podcast and you heard a few of the anecdotes, he repeated himself. But the one that that he didn't talk about with Felix that I thought would warm Vince's heart, and it, it's probably not new to you, Vince, but um, when Scott moved to California, he was fifteen, and he loved comics, and he he looked up Kirby's name in the phone book because back then. People didn't have unlisted numbers, or they didn't. Most people didn't. He called up Kirby as a 15 year old. Roz answers the phone. <laughs> Scott says, Can I speak to Jack? She puts Kirby on the phone. They have like a 30 minute chat just about how much he loves comics and how much Kirby means to him. And Jack says, Well, where do you live? And he told him, and he's like, Oh, that's not far from here. He said, Why don't you have your mom or your dad bring you out our way this weekend? And bring some of your books, and I'll be happy to sign them. We can have a chat. So his mom drove him out that Saturday to Kirby's house. And his mom and Roz sat in the kitchen having drinks and cig- cigarettes while he and Kirby sat for three hours and had lunch. And Kirby signed like 50 comics for him and did a couple sketches for him and just talked to him about comics in the world. And I, ha- I did hear that story, yeah. It, and how that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know it's, it was a different time, but like, what a innocently wonderful time that must have been, huh? Can you imagine now if um, you know little Jimmy called up a comic artist and this this mature man says, "Yeah, Brent, come on over, bring your mom too," you know, we'll have some fun. And it's that's not the way it is anymore. But back, in yeah. this, you know, it would have been awesome knocking on yeah. Kirby's door. Can I? Can Jack come out and play? And I know since Stapp also heard the podcast, he he retold the story of, uh, I guess Dune Beer was, uh, or is, was, is, I'm not sure which, uh, a gambler, loved to gamble. Yeah. And when he was a, when he was an art dealer, uh, for the, I guess I'm assuming people know this, but for those that don't know, Scott Dune Beer is, you probably, most of you out there know him as, as an editor. Um, he was the editor and for a short time, the editor in chief at Wildstorm and then was at IDW for, a long, long time, and he's been in charge of their special projects forever. He's he's the he's the guy who created the concept of the artist edition, and he is in charge of the artist editions. Um, but before that, he was a comic art dealer because he, like a few of these guys, was just one of those young kids just in love with comics and was buying comic art before anyone else knew it even existed. And next thing he knew, he became a dealer. And uh, when he was a dealer, because he was a gambler. He would often play games where he would offer people a chance to flip a coin. So if, say, something was like $1,000, he'd say, well, it's $1,000. And someone would say, oh, I, I didn't want to pay that. Could we do a deal? And he'll say, well, you could pay me 1000 or we can flip this coin. And if you win, eight, it'll be 800 If you lose, it'll be 1200 And uh, he would do this all the time. And he said in all the time he did it, for all the years, only one person ever reneged after the flip. <laughs> yeah. And then he told an anecdote in both both the interviews that I'm referencing where um, (laughs) Klaus Jansen was at a con with him and wanted to buy a Kirby, a penciled Kirby twice up. So twice up meaning um, 22 by 17. It was a 22 by 17 Kirby fully penciled full background Dr. Doom splash. Um, 
and this is way back in the day, and Scott wanted $5,000 for it. So, um, so, you know, needless to say, like that tr- a tremendous amount of money now, but back then, like an incredible amount of money. Um, Klaus Jansen, he, he comes in and says, I, I really want that piece. And, uh, Scott says, well, it's, it's 5,000 bucks. And, uh, and then he's like, wants to it? think on it. Yeah. Right. I go home and think on it. Exactly. Yeah. So he goes home and thinks on it. And of course, you know how those, those stories go, but then, um, he calls, he calls Dunbeer a couple weeks later and says, Hey, is the piece still available? And it was, and he said, oh, I really want to pay 4,000. And hmm. Scott said, I'll tell you what, you know, because you are who you are and because I love you, like I'll do 4,500. And Klaus is like, ah, I just, I still don't know. So he offers them the coin flip and he says, Klaus, I'll, I'll do the, we'll do a coin flip. And Scott and Klaus says, what do you mean? And he explains it. He says, uh, if you, we'll do a coin flip, uh, heads, you call it, I'll call it in the air. If, if I win, you pay me the, the pay me the 5,000. If you win, it'll uh, be 4,000. And Klaus is like, what do you mean? Because they're on the phone there. This is pre Skype, pre video chat and everything. And he explains it again. And Klaus says, oh, and I suppose you were going to do the coin toss. And Scott said, no, you do it. I'll, I'll call it. You do the coin toss. I trust you. So sure enough, Klaus is like, okay, let's do it. And Scott says, all right, it's got to be a quarter. The rules are flip it. In the, you flip it in the air. You tell me on the phone when it's in the air. I'll call it. You just let it land. As long as it lands flat on any surface, wherever it bounces or whatever, that's what it is. And we'll go from that. And uh, there was like a long pregnant pause. And then Klaus says, okay, let's do it. And all of a sudden he's like, it's in the air. And Scott says heads or tails. He said he always picks tails. Always tails. He always tails. And then all of a sudden he you hear his class say, Shit. And uh, <laughs> and and it was tails and Klaus bought the piece for five thousand bucks. Like over the phone. I think that's just it's crazy, man. Like I, I couldn't imagine. Could you imagine? <laughs> that that is nuts. And that is on Felix's podcast, right? It's um, on his secret podcast for those who donated to um to oh, downtown. Oh, well, should um, you really be throwing that stuff around if it's on the Well, it, well he did. Jason and he just said told it because I said, yeah, he, he told it on another podcast. Yeah. Okay. Is just checking. Just check. Well, it's it's I don't know. You need to keep talking, but all I know is you're a little too close before, but you're okay. Well, I'm I'm a straight like foot away now. Yeah, I would get about 3 inches closer. And then you're done. Don't touch it. And you need a pop mm. filter. Need a pop filter. God, it's a good thing we're not together because I'd slap you right now. That's okay. What, what do you do? You think this stuff just has like Moses coming down from the mountain that there's rock solid rules? There's not. It's just all push and well, pull and finesse, and you try and figure it out. Where the mic's been located has been a point of no emphasis for the last twelve years for me. So now suddenly I have a stand, and you're like, "All right, get one and a half more inches away." No, 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 an inch closer. It's like hmm. you know. Oh, I heard you now. No, you didn't. No, it's, it's my job to make sure we sound good. You're not That's hurting true. me. You do a great job at that. I know. Let's talk some comics that we've read. That. Dude, yeah. let's do it. I well, read so many comics this week. I see that. Well, You're a machine. Yeah, this is a little, it's it's too much for me. That's way too much for me. Why? I would I would never be able why? Because I'm looking at 25, 37 issues. Uh, uh, gee, uh, no, there's 70 no, that's, of that's a carryover. It's that's not like it was just since Thursday. Yeah. Oh, well, just the Transformers and G.I. Joe were carryovers from the prior week. All right. Tell me about some stuff. Tell well, me about, tell me about this out. Empire shit. 
Oh, no. Really? That, of all the things out there, you want to talk about Empire? Well, I'll talk about Empire quickly. I mean, in case anybody is interested, but I'll be very quick because it's all that merits. Empire is the most recent event. It was affected by COVID. I don't have the exact, maybe Dap knows, but like I know it was interrupted by COVID because I feel like it was really stretched out as a result. But it is over now. It was a six-issue event. Um, it was pitched as a Marvel event, but really it was a Fantastic Four and Avengers event that, um, as with all these big two events, had tie-ins either loosely or in miniseries form to everybody, everybody else in the, in the Marvel Universe. But in essence, it was, it was I mean, I see it as it was an FF Avengers thing. Um, and I think we talked about the first issue. The basic, it's a pretty simple premise. Um, the Kree and the Skrull are now in a relatively loose uh, alliance as one because of a bunch of stuff that went on before Empire um, that culminated in the Hulkling, uh, a.k.a. Young Avengers Hulkling, who is the, he is half Skrull and half Kree, uh, becoming the titular king to unite them. Uh, and he has an advisor, a Skrull advisor and a Kree advisor. It's, you know, one of those like, almost like political, it's, a, it's, 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 because of their history, you can it. He is a he's he's holding on to their alliance by a thread, right? It's it's you have to wonder how long it's going to last. But whatever it's 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 current. They're currently an alliance, and for some reason, that's I don't think made all that clear with Empire. They have a total hard on for the Kotati, the plant people, and they're racing to the moon to destroy the Kotati, and. Uh, the Avengers and the FF get involved at first on either sides because they're not sure what's going on. But it becomes quickly... It, the Avengers are aligned with the Kotati, trying to defend them. Uh, the FF are with the Kree and the Skrull, effectively advising them. They all come to to head. And, of course, we find out that it's actually the Kotati who are the bad guys. Um, we've got the Swordsman, who has been like a plant, you know, he's been, his, his, his form had been resurrected as a plant sometime before. And, uh, he and Mantis's son, Koi, who we met during the Abnett landing era of the, of the cosmic stuff, uh, is the leader now. And they have come up with a way to basically take over the universe, leveraging these plant technologies and vibranium. Uh, so it quickly becomes Avengers, FF, Kree's and Skrull versus the Kotati. The Kotati invade Earth, and that's why all these tie-ins happen. Um, it's all kind of by the numbers. Like, you've read this event idea a million times before, and ultimately what happens is you come to find out that, like, the Hulkling's acting like a total prick. He's willing to blow up the entire galaxy to kill the Kotati, even though it means wiping out humanity, including his husband, Wiccan. And it just doesn't add up. And it turns out that, and spoilers to anybody that cares and is planning on reading Empire, like, waiting for the hardcover, just fast-forward, like, five minutes. But it turns out the Hulkling is actually being held captive, and his grandmother, who is uh, you know a scroll that we've seen in the FF back in the day, she has taken over his form, and it's all been a machination, right, to kind of like take control of things. They vanquish her. Are you kidding me? It's mis- no, it's mistaken it, identity. It's like mistaken identity. Oh my god! It's another secret yeah, they, invasion bullshit. It's exactly. They, it's basically like they free him. They the Kotati are pretty much done in, and they're basically done in by. And this is like, again, none of it made sense. Um, uh, She-Hulk is killed, theoretically, by them. 
And then this like Kotati plant, like because they have just like any other race, they have like heroes or people with powers. This plant like is basically wrapped around her head and has got her body in control, but her corpus. But effectively, she's supposed to be dead. But somehow or another, I guess just like the immortal Hulk, the big aha is that she's also immortal. Sure. Just right, but this is an aha because it's never happened before. So her life essence comes out. She rips a guy apart. She takes control and like turns the tide of the battle and. Um, I don't know. The whole thing is basically to defeat the Katati. Um, the Scree, the Kree Scrawler alliance is effectively broken up now because it was under false pretense in the first place. Hulkling is back, healthy, happy, and in love with Wiccan, and everything's back to status quo. It's a, it was a very by the numbers, put everything back in its place, six issue event. As far as I can tell, there's no repercussions of any consequence beyond that, other than I guess that. Jen is immortal, but you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know that that's that big a deal. So yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it, well, I, was, it I is don't it is, see man. any like, reason why she shouldn't be. No, that's true. I guess my point is like these, have, you know, I read it, but I just like every other event of the last 10 years, I wonder to myself why I read it after I did, because it's, I, I like, I knew better. I knew this was, I knew it would be something that was meant to sell tie in issues. And then, and, and then, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's it's just it just didn't feel like it had any kind of gravitas. There was no con- like there was no setup. The Avengers weren't dealing with this in their own book. Um, I'm not sure if the FF were because I'm way behind on that. So maybe they were building up to this, but it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. And then it's over. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you got to start on a low note. I, I wasn't intending to do that. but That's uh, OK. I'm just glad you invested the time and energy in reading it, and I didn't have to. Mm. Yeah. Why is he laughing like that? No, it's just... It's the, the thing that I asked you on the... the, on the <laughs> he's got his bitters. Um, but no, I'm not trying to be facetious. And I, I understand that, you, you know, there you can't read everything, in, but I don't think you're reading the right events. Because if you were reading the right events, you wouldn't have said anything of what you just said about the thing that is currently happening at the other place because it's everything that events aren't uh, it's it, it has super huge colossal gravitas but it doesn't mean anything it's it's uh, it's crazy and bombastic and large and in the end it may mean nothing but you're going to have a whole lot of fun watching it as it unfolds they they it seems going into it that they firmly admit that these things don't mean a hill of beans and let's just have fun while we're doing it. That's what the other thing is. Mm-hmm. Well, remember I read, I read metal. Right. But this is even more crazy and more outlandish than metal. Mm-hmm. And there are tie-ins. Yeah. But the tie-ins, <laughs> <What> you think, <laughs> yeah, but the, the tie-ins so far have been like amazing. All I got to say is one word, Wally. That's it. The, if, if you make Wally work again, you have my love for a bazillion years. Sure. Oh, I get that. And and, and he, the point I made to you on the Slack about this, and for those that have lost the track of what we're talking about, we were ribbing Vince a bit because he's just in love with uh, metal and dark and dark metal and all the various and sundry tie-ins and whatnot. And that's cool. Like I always want my booze and, and my and our listeners to read to enjoy what they read. That's but. Cool. But I, but what I was saying is 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 like the reasons you were giving me why it was so cool, including that they fixed Wally, 
Like, that's all great. But I guess where I'm at right now in 2020 is, like, I don't understand why they're fixing Wally or telling the best Wonder Woman stories per your your perspective in Dark Knight Metal or Dark Metal tie-in books. Like, like why isn't Wonder Woman proper the book that everyone's buzzing about? Why right. isn't Wally being fixed in Flash? And, and, and this is not a DC thing. This is a DC and Marvel thing because mm-hmm. especially in today's day and age, how on earth, if you're a longtime DC reader, are you going to know that that stuff's getting fixed in Dark Metal Unless you're buying everything inclusive of dark metal. Like- well, right. That is a problem. But how many times have – I think this is what DC is doing now. I think is the is the way it should be done. Because how many times have we heard from creatives, Jesus, I have to shoehorn this, this inferno bullshit into my book. I had a narrative going that I was building for <laughs> however many issues. Now I got to do this crazy thing that doesn't make any sense in terms of the framework I was establishing. I hate these events. Creatives, they if they're not the dude or dudette writing the actual event, I'm sure they're gun shy at this point. Like, how is this going to derail my book? Because it's going to happen. But the totally. way that- but then what's the point of the event then, right? Because the event is supposed to be this every so often thing that we're excited about because it transcends what are already extraordinary st- stories. Like True. every issue or arc we read of The Flash or Superman or X-Men or Avengers are these extraordinary hero tales, right? Where they're battling for some massive consequence. And then for an event to to quote-unquote matter to most of us, it has to be – even bigger stakes, which is why I think they fail now, because, you know, most have been reading superhero comics for decades, and every six months they're saving the world or the universe or existence or reality. So it's like, how do you top that? But but that's what it's supposed to be. So, again, it's like I, I'm with you. Like, I think, you know, I actually think you're on to something in that I do think it used to be that events were supposed to keep the hardcore continuity nerds like on max you know on on max speed and get us to read the things that we weren't regularly buying anyway but i almost feel like those best served by events now are those who read it after the fact and just enjoy it for what it is because i think when it's got the weight of this is the biggest thing ever it's going to change the status quo forever we just automatically are giving it the come on son but if we just read it as a story and we just accept that it's just yet another story in the never-ending pantheon of these characters, we can better judge it for was it cool or not. Right. I always go back to, like, it's Avengers Forever, right? Avengers Forever wasn't an event. If you read it off the shelf now, and we always tell people to read it, it's like one of the greatest Avengers events ever. But it was largely out of continuity because of the time, you know, the time it was written, and it didn't really have any lasting consequences. But it stands up now as this epic, really well-executed Avengers story. And... To your point, like, I wonder if people read Civil War now or Secret Invasion now just for what it is. Like, they just bought the hardcovers. Would they get more out of it, less out of it? I don't know. But I, I think right. it's possible they get more out of it. But I think the, the death metal formula is let's go absolutely insane because there's no way that you're going to put any of this into DC continuity. It's so outlandish right. Right. that and and over the top like Harley's running around with Swamp Thing's head on a pike and and yeah. it's it, it, Joker, the, Joker dragons and- yeah and there's no way 
that that is going to be easily shoehorned into the DC status quo. It's just not happening. So it's like, yeah, let's have a crazy party. Everybody's going to get drunk and have sex. And then at the end of the day, we're all going to go to sleep, wake up, and forget that anything ever happened except for the babies. But so, I'm, and, and you know, I'm sure that some of these characters are going to live beyond death metal. Of course they are. And it, they'll trickle into various series. But by and large, death metal means nothing. It's just a hell of a good time. Mm-hmm. And one of the best Wonder Woman stories I've read in a very, very long stretch. That's cool. And I wonder if, and, and again, because nobody has, very, very few of us have uh, an infinite amount of money. So if you're going to spend money and... and Speak for yourself. There's those couch cushions again. Um, <laughs> Beach it, house. It's... It's uh, right. <laughs> I'm calling from Hawaii, so the uh, if you may not be following the Spider-Man books, so the X-Men universe is your thing. So now you have you know X of Swords. If you're not, if you don't care about the main DC line, then then Death Metal and every iteration after it, if, if that's your bag, then, then that's what you're coming to get. And it, it's probably easier to just take those bites. Yeah, it, you go through the DC Connector, the Marvel's previews catalog, and and, and you it's you're at you're past page forty by the time you get to any regular ongoing Marvel title. The first half of that catalog is all X Men books and Null and oh, it's all uh, Null. That's and, crazy. To me. And and then, yeah. and then you know whatever whatever's going on and amazing. So. Um, Whenever I see Null, I'm sorry, I don't want to derail, but it's just like, hey, this kid's going to be a star. Go out, go out, do, do your thing, kid. And the kid goes on the stage and he does the act and everybody's like, yeah, okay, that was all right. And it's like, no, no, wait, he's got this next song. This is really good. Go do it, kid. The kid does another song. And the crowd's like, yeah, okay, it sounded kind of like the first song, but whatever. I agree. And, I, and not to, let's make sure Dad finishes his point, but I will say I agree with you in the sense that, and I feel bad because we've had Donnie and Ryan on yeah. the show, like, yeah. like, talking about the, like, when Null was first coming around, we had them on the podcast to talk about it, and it was super cool. Like, yeah, it's it's hard to introduce a major new hero or bat or big bad. I just don't understand how Marvel. I mean, Marvel has not stopped t- like telling stories about Null since Donnie and Ryan created him. What three, four years ago? Yeah, like literally for four years now, Null has been in the books. He was any any like Donnie can't quit him. He he was fucking in. The Guardians run he did like he it's like dude I mean Silver Surfer Black come on yeah that's that's what actually that's what I mean so it, right it's like it's like and and I love so like I don't even like no and so that's totally fine but like Jesus dude I mean you just had him in Silver Surfer Black he was in all he was the driving force between you know behind Absolute Carnage he was the driving force in the Venom run that that Donnie and yeah. Ryan were getting so many accolades for. And it's all good, but like, give it a rest. Like, yeah, but you haven't heard the kids' the Bohemian Rhapsody yet. Come on, it's coming. Yeah, uh, come on. I'm, I, I, I love them, and I think it's a, it's a neat character. But after this point, I see it, and it's just okay. Next, what's, what's on the yeah, next? Yeah, exactly. But, but uh, we, 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 we broke up. That yeah, no, no, all, all I'm saying is, I mean, we, we joke about you know who, who can, who's following all these books, who's getting all these books, but I, I, I don't. I think we're past the point of people buying everything on the line. I don't think everybody's buying all the DC books. I don't think everybody's buying all the Marvel books. They're kind of they're, they're they're sticking to what they enjoy. I mean, I would I would love to 
we've said it before. I'd love to be reading Amazing again, but you know that it. What's going on over there? In my bag, so I can spend time with this. But yeah, there are. I mean, if 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 you're doing event after event, and like you pointed out about Vince, about Jason, about Vince, Jason, he, uh, you know, you're enjoying Wonder Woman in metal, and yeah, it it would be nice, especially with, with the movie coming out eventually, that you could read about Wonder Woman in in her book. And and I do, I, I know that they have the Wonder Woman 1984 one shot out this week too. Um, but Which how does more... this Wonder Woman make sense to the people that would the the very very few people that would come to Wonder Woman's book from the movie? Like this would be totally confusing to them. Sure, sure. This is it's. I mean, it. Yeah, th- this seems to be right up the alley of of people who are, I would think, more familiar with the characters and and the settings. And and obviously Snyder has love for these characters, um, and can tell these batshit crazy stories and Capullo's perfect for, for the art duties on some of it and I, I do look at some of the creative teams on some of the books and yeah they are I, I was I had the um was the multiverse end or whatever came out this week that that looked pretty cool I dug yeah. the cover um, I'll make a deal with you what number one never ever ever move <laughs> I don't play it on it. I don't play it never it. because I love I love the 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 uh, music concrete that goes on in the background. It's I love it. But anyway, two. When the collected editions are solicited, Uh-oh. I think death metal probably is going to be like the first maybe three. There, there's going to be a death metal. Um, main miniseries book then there's going to be a tie-in book probably and then there's going to be a book that features the death metal issues from ongoing series i'm just guessing i'll go page for page with you if you pre-order the death metal stuff because i know you guys would like it i I know it i'll go page for page uh, david i'll buy the, the house of l stuff Page for page. If Death Metal's 200 pages, I'll buy 200 pages of Bendis, <laughs> and I'll read them. I because I'm I'm I'm. Well, that, com- what's that do for me? That's double torture for no, me. No, it's not because then no, I'm not saying you have to read the the Superman stuff. For you, it would be like I would buy say the X of Swords omnibus, or I would get some oh, okay. like a, a relevant book for you. You heard it here, people. Let's do it. I'm telling you, the Death Metal is the freshest, most. Um, experimental, and it's it. It feels like anything can happen in the book. You don't need any bet. Well, you need a little bit of baggage going in. You have to have read the first one, I think, which you guys have, right? It's just yes. silly how much fun this book is, and the art is amazing. We know Capullo, Riley Rossmo's in there. Like I can go down the list. Eddie Barrows did the Speed Force one. Like shut up, it's so good. But you yeah, just need. Not, I don't think they're 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 definitely not shortchanging it. I mean, they're they're definitely I mean, between. I mean, just like the most stuff on Marvel, it's the DC Connect is is mostly death metal, and then we have some endless winter, whatever it is. But but yeah, it's, it's yeah. What's um, that about? I I don't know yet. But but it, but it doesn't look like it's even though it's a Justice League story. It doesn't. I don't. It it it's it seems to be co-written. By Ron Mars and Andy Lanning, which is which is an interesting pairing. I'll say both of their books, <laughs> uh, both both you know books that they've both read, uh, written. But um, yeah, it's and then some of the art teams look pretty interesting as well. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's, it doesn't seem like it, it's going on forever either. 
No, and it seems it, it reminds me of um, um, not not Midsummer's Night or whatever, but it, it reminds me of those kind of where it's just almost like um, the Green Lantern Emerald Flame or whatever that that I think is solicited this month. But it's just it, it's an event that that has a bookend, two bookends, and then they just there's a bunch of one shots in the middle and, and yeah. it tells a tale. Um, kind of like a fifth week event or something. But yeah, it, it's. But again, they have some decent creative teams there too, and and DC isn't hurting for um, for talented creators. It's it, it's yeah, I look at it's not like they're pulling people off of the ongoings so that they can um, put them on on these events that people are enjoying that just aren't trickling in. They don't they don't seem to matter in the sense that you know a lot of the things aren't trickling into like you're not going to see Superman with an axe. In the Bendis stuff, so it's it's not mm. um, it, it seems to be pretty much self contained, and, and, and I at times I just think that they're putting out more books so that David Marquez has more covers to do. Ton <laughs> of stuff. That was very like, funny, you little bastard. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. Thank you. I just it's it's yeah. I mean we're and <laughs> and listen, they're not here to, for for a previews talk, but um, uh, sometimes no, it's so nice. Glad. I no, and I, I am so glad, and 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 they're getting some behind the scenes stuff because we were giving each other shit on on the on the Slack, but it it's um it really does it, it makes me so happy that you know if 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 you're not and probably because again you're not you're not worried about what 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 Tynan's doing with Batman or 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 what you know Tomasi's got going on in Detective, you're not concerned about no so 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 for you to still get a get something with the DC characters and it's this batshit crazy shit that, that, that it seems to be just Superboy prime right for you. <laughs> Perfect. Well, yeah. It's, it's stupid, stupid. Good. Well, let's go eight hours tonight. Cause I have a lot of things I'm really actually excited to talk about, but I want to hear what y'all have been reading. Okay. Um, and just for those that want to pay attention to this endless winter thing, um, justice league and endless winter. Number one starts it off. Then you got the flash, Superman, Endless Winter Special, Aquaman, Justice League. These are the books that it's going to trail through. Uh, Teen Titans, uh, Special, Justice League Dark, Black Adam, Endless Winter Special, number one. And then the end, the Justice League, Endless Winter, number one, is the last chapter. So it, it's it's not going to drain the bank, but it's not a little trifle either. I mean, this is going to be a... Probably mm-hmm. a, a three hundred, four hundred page. Um, Should make a nice collection. But yeah, this is yeah, this is like this is kind of what I was getting at, right? So, because I'm still way more a Marvel continuity wonk, a thing like Empire was like, exhausting before I opened up the first page. And same thing, I feel that way about X of Swords because I'm into many of the mutant books, but I'm like, oh, but like they don't need to be together and. For all of the people, including my two booze who I do a show with, who like are just loosely tethered to the X, to the mutant comics. But interested. Like, no, but I mean, but yeah. most people are going to be like, if let's say you loved, let's say you're, I mean, listen, we all know that the Hickman reboot of the House of X Powers of 10 was a smash success critically and commercially. And I know that just a tremendous amount of people, you included, that had given up or had almost no interest in the mutants for a long time, read that stuff and were like, oh, that was dope. Yeah. And I know that some of you still, you're, you you didn't stick with it per se, but like you were still like, oh, it's pretty cool. And I know that like 
it was i mean I, in my world we wouldn't have had 12 to 15 mutant books already right but there's a difference between marvel doing what it's got to do and putting out 15 mutant related books but at least theoretically if you were a huge fan of what hickman was doing you could have just stuck with the x-men and now though you're being forced effectively to read or buy all of the titles to get this 22 issue event and like i just think in 2020 that's super unreasonable yeah, that translates crazy. into way more people just stopping like even if you were enjoying hickman's x-men you're like oh, i'm done like it was cool like i enjoyed it for the last two years but i'm i'm good like i have no interest in reading helians i have no interest in reading and 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 i can't blame you for that like i and i guess i bring it up because it's why i say like it, maybe events now are better after they're done because i will tell you that i of the books that are tying into this winter event at DC, I think I read two of them. And um, that actually is more, means it's more likely I'm going to enjoy this event because I, I'm not going to like, I'm going to buy the collection when it's solicited and I'm going to read it as one story. And I'm not going to be in any way put off by like whatever they did to bring the Titans in or Aquaman in, because I don't know what he was doing before they were doing before after that. So it's not going to irk me. Like they're just it's just gonna be another chapter in this story. Right. And if the story's well executed, then I'm gonna think, Oh, that was dope. Whereas if I was if I was as into DC from a continuity perspective as I am with Marvel, I would have been like, Oh, you know, they just I mean, Aquaman was on a roll and then they and then you know what I mean? Like it's just I think it's just wherever you're coming from, what kind of baggage you bring into an event now affects how you how you think about the whole thing. Well, I think we could fine tune this a little bit. Because just to keep it in, in the realm of comics, there is an anti event equation going on it's it's pretty subtle and we're seeing it but x of swords is not the way to do it because no. what x of swords effectively does is yeah they're making uh even if they do even if hickman does farm a bunch of new ip it could negatively affect the books through which it trails like i think marauders is phenomenal if i'm not interested at all in x of swords now i gotta read this stuff in my marauders Right. Like just like you said, or, you know, any there's a bunch of good X books out there now. And maybe if I'm not interested in X of Swords, it's a downer to have to read these things. So I don't think that's the way to do it. I think the way to do it is to farm IP, not within the narrative of your ongoing universe. Right. But to bring something to the side, and again, I'm not going to play the same tune, but I probably am, like Death Metal, where you may get a character that's a breakout you know, hit. So now you have one or two new ongoing titles that you could throw at your readers that you want to know where these people came from? Okay, you read this one thing. You read this, this Death Metal thing. But to change Wonder Woman or to change Batman in a miniseries doesn't make a whole lot of sense because everybody knows that once it all trickles back into the main titles, it's going to go away. So you don't, you don't tweak, you don't Frankenstein your existing characters. You make new ones. Even if they're based on existing characters, you make new characters that you can mangle and do whatever you want and your, your bread and butter doesn't get affected. Right? That's the formula, I think. Mm-hmm. Go crazy, do all these outlandish things. Something's going to stick to the wall somewhere along the line, and then you can you can pull that taffy until it breaks, and everybody's sick of it. So and then your main universe is not affected, and your ongoings aren't affected. I I hate it when an event 
spills over into a right. book that I read. It just bugs the shit out of me. It's a reason to jump off. It's not a reason to jump to go. No, that's what I was telling you with the when Tap was asking about like the X Men. Like the yeah. X Men really have nothing to do with Empire. But then we got an Empire X Men miniseries, which you know, again, at least they put it into a miniseries so that you didn't have to. But then, like, I'm catching up on the X books because I was admittedly a few months behind because of the COVID stuff. But I wanted to catch up before X of Swords, and like with like you're saying, like what always happens is you've got this arc going, and then just like boom, that arc gets paused so they can shoehorn into the event, mm-hmm. and then do their little part of it, and then they're back to the event. And it's like, nah, dude, like. Like, stop. Yeah. And, you know, and again, I think that the thing is, is you guys joke about me having a, an unlimited budget. But, like, at the end of the day, the three of us collectively read and and what would most consider a crazy amount of comics, right? Yeah, stupid amount. And and many of our, our listeners don't have the time or budget or both. And they have to pick and choose. And I respect that. And, like, I, I, I wish I could, like, have data. You know, I'm a data nerd. I would love to know, like, what the average number of books our listeners buy. In fact... Those of you listening, chime in to the Facebook group or Twitter or Slack, wherever you prefer, and let us know, like, how many – not your budget, but, like, how many books a month do you typically buy? I'd love to know that because I would imagine, like, most of our listeners probably buy between 10 and 20 issues in whatever form it is, but 20, 10 or 20 issues a month, right? That seems probably the reasonable estimate. And, like, that means that you you just don't – it's not – it's just – like you said, it's not even – they might love the idea of, of buying into this event, but, like, they just can't. They can't commit to twenty-two issues we'll when they them. maybe would have bought four of them over a two-month period, right? Like, right. so they just have to punt. Yeah, it's like two really interesting, informed authors having this ongoing dialogue. That's just wow. the The specifics of this discussion are really you're you're enthused and you're enthralled and you're into it. And then somebody from down the hall comes in. Ah, I, I, you want to hear this one? That's what an event is. It, you, you ha- this fascinating thing is going on right in front of you, and then somebody f- comes out of the bathroom and breaks up the party. That's the event. Nobody wants yeah, that person. Like that. Nobody wants him. Stay in the bathroom. I, I always enjoyed um, the fact that uh, when Slot was on Amazing Spider-Man, that whenever there was an event, it was usually Christos Gage or someone else writing a three-issue Spider-Man miniseries that yeah. tied into that <laughs> yeah. and yep. it's which is great. This way, you know, and unfortunately they didn't do that with Captain Marvel because my run now has some tie-ins to Empire, which is fine. And I, you know, I know she had a big, big change with the Accuser and whatnot. So I mean, I'm 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 fine with that. But um, the uh, yeah, I just listen. I if I'm not a I'm I'm not at that point anymore i'm all in on all events and i really don't want i really don't want my books interrupted if it's if, true if, it it should you know it's like it, it's the jla avengers if, it was a great four issue miniseries love that story it had nothing to do with anything else with the universe except bucf took a portion of it when 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 krona was involved in the story and he used it to kick off his JLA run with Ron Garney. And, and that was a slight tie-in, but it's not like they drew attention to it. It's not like you had to read one to get to the other. It was, it was more like a nod or an Easter egg. But, um, you know, for the most part, big events, they don't always... Tri- and I don't... I mean, Empire, sure, maybe. that That's an Avengers story. So I can see, I can see some fallout happening years 
down the line. But, you know, something like Death Metal, I don't see anything happening in Death Metal affecting the Batman books. No, it can't. Or, or any of the other stuff. Yeah, so. no, it can't. I always used to feel really bad, I mean, back in the day, because the Marvel events used to t- go into every book, right? Yep. I used to feel really bad for whoever it was writing Daredevil. It's like, how the fuck is this going to fit into Daredevil? Daredevil's that one that one Marvel book that almost none of the events ever just slipped right in, you know, real nice and smooth. Daredevil was always a struggle to make it work with these events. And I was like, damn, poor guy on Daredevil. He's got to change everything up now. Oh, well. So let's, Jason, let's t- uh, talk about some comics we have read instead of... Let's let's do some specifics, and we have a story to talk about that happened this week. That it was, it was a little bit rough going in, but it came out. We made lemonade with it. Me and Dap. <laughs> Can I tell him the story? Absolutely. All right, a little bit of framework. Uh, regular listeners may recall Dap talking about his uh, local shop having a three for a dollar sale. And how Dap and myself are lamenting the fact that we had parted ways with a lot of our Superman Triangle era books. So Dap says, all right, bitches, I got this opportunity to get three for a dollar books. I'm going to pull all the Triangle Supermans that I possibly can. And I was like, cool. Okay, you do that. Keep an eye out for your brother. If you see any Triangle ones, doubles, pick some for me. Okay. So Dap, on the sly, picked some books for me. He didn't tell me which ones they were, but that's not, not his fault. Not yet, yeah. Not yet. And uh, so um, I have a, a compulsive habit of checking eBay. For Don't blame th- you. For th- no, you, you should because it's – no, it's bad. And uh, I remember I have an obsessive compulsive personality. And I, um, I found a 40-issue chunk of Man of Steel for $30 shipped. And these are mint. Bagged, which doesn't really matter to me, but, you know, if for the sake of shits and giggles, that's nice that they're bagged. And uh, I was very happy that one of the issues was Man of Steel number 30, the one with the Superman Lobo vinyl clings that you can make your own cover. And it was still sealed. And I'm like, ah, oh, hot damn. Plunked down my money, buy it now, had 40 issues coming to my door. They came, I took a picture of it, put it on the slack, Dap got mad. I'm like, <laughs> mad is just over. No, you did. Okay. You said I should not type in anger. So because I'm like, okay. Of, also because of work, but okay. Yes, but right. let me finish it. The, the, the yeah. little story because it's cute and it just shows how well we know each other. So I'm like, wow, Jesus, Dap. I'm so I looked at the I looked at the picture and I'm like, what the fuck? There's like five, six issues. You could tell what number they are from this photo. Why he's going to get mad at, at five issues. So you break it down 33 cents a piece. So you're getting mad at like a, a buck and a half, $2. I don't understand. And then I look at the picture again. I'm like, Oh fuck. The, the issue that was in the foreground of the picture was man of steel number 30 with the color with the um, vinyl clings and i'm like oh he's not getting miffed about me getting books he's getting miffed about me getting that book and i slacked him i'm like i told him the whole thing i'm like tell me i'm tell me i'm not wrong and he's like nothing so i know my brother so almost as well as i know myself and it it was just one of those adapters wanted to give me the, 
the vinyl cling man of steel number 30 because he knew how much i love it and, and i knew how I much have. what do you mean because no now i don't have because you have it now i don't have to right so you have two of them well i have two because in my hand i have i, I have the still sealed vinyl cling version and i have the standard non-cling new oh standard you got version, the fight is, fight 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 one yes i don't have that so, so i well <laughs> it's the only one i have um but yeah i i mean yes they're they're the um so I still wait have, you were gonna get you were gonna keep the standard version and give me the vinyl cling one i mean you're out of your damn mind why would you do that it's, that's like just ridiculous. No, but it's never... ridiculous. Why wouldn't you keep that for yourself? Now you're making me feel terrible. Don't feel terrible. Did... Don't feel terrible. <sighs> Stop. Stop. Or fine, I'd give you the one to read. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You it have matters it. to me. We're good. We're good. And if I've ever God, find you have a way of when, just when... like making people love you, it disgusts me. If, if it just disgusts me. Next time I see the newsstand version, it's I, I'm grabbing it. But yes, and the from that sale a couple weekends ago the long box is still downstairs it's it's in the kitchen which is pissing my wife off so i still have to go through and mark down which ones i have for you because i know this was a man of steel lot fyi it's all man of steel yeah right so i have i have the other die cut um reign of superman from from the other series i have you know I've, i've got a bunch of doubles so sweet um of non Man of Steel, so I I'll, think I'll I'm going to focus on Man of Steel first. Get all 150 issues of that and the annuals, and then I'll move on to. Because okay. the 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 nice part about it is, I may not have to go deep on Superman and Adventures because they're reprinting those in the Burn Man of Steel things now. Well, and eventually they'll get up to Man of Steel if they keep going with it. Right, right. Um, but by then I'll have them all. Right. So it's it's yeah. So we have. Um, there is yeah. There's absolutely that, and and yeah, and it was. There was the work royally pissed me off, and it it it, it uh, was. Now you, I saw you just that broke it, my friggin' heart just, when you said that. Say again. You just broke my heart when you said that. That you were no. going to give me the the vinyl one, and you were going to keep the newsstand. That's just ridiculous. But anyway, so um, we made a plan. We yes. made a plan for this this episode that we would read. We would take the lemon and make the lemonade, and we would read Superman: The Man of Steel number thirty. Which was written by Louise Simonson, Wheezy, illustrated by John Bogdanova and Dennis Jenke, uh, with uh, colors by Glenn Whitmore. It's not a very complex story. <laughs> it's really not. Uh, the the newsstand cover pretty much says it all. Fight, 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 fight. Um, Lobo is coming to Earth because he's pissed that Superman died and came back. <laughs> And only one. And he, there only can only one bastard. Yeah, there can only be dead. one person that could beat death. And damn it, it's going to be the bow. And so he's coming. He has a Lobo has a bone to pick with Superman for coming back from the dead. And as he's making a beeline towards Earth, he is Lobo. So whatever's in Lobo's path will suffer. And he destroys a planet on the way to Earth, Thanatopsia, and the. Uh, this the this race is is mad that uh they're devastated because Lobo destroyed the planet, so now they're coming to earth and Lobo and Superman throw down and it's really silly i mean the the story is just ridiculous but it's it just shows you how good of a writer that Louise Simonson is because early in the story. Lobo comes to Earth and he's on the bike and he's tooling around Metropolis and he knocks a gargoyle 
off the side of a building, right? And Superman's like, oh, got to get that before it squashes uh, uh, one of my people. And so he grabs, he catches the gargoyle and he goes, and he struggles. Superman struggles with a gargoyle from the side of a building. Like, okay. But then later on, Superman punches Lobo into orbit. He, he's on the on terra firma and he punches Lobo and he goes into orbit. And Superman's like, whoa, I guess my powers are increasing. I guess I'm getting a little bit stronger. And during the whole fight, Lobo's like, man, you've been working out, you bastard. This is, this is awesome. But the thing that makes me laugh every time I see it and I got the giggles, I'm a big fan of characters that like the pratfall that, that spills out of the panel. Like when Robert Crumb does it and he has his, his characters go, Oy! and and all you see is their legs, you know, flying up or, you know, characters slipping on stuff and they go out of panels. Like that makes me giggle every time. And when Superman punches Lobo, all you see is his boots from the knees down flying out of the panel. It's the funniest friggin' thing. But I just love this issue. And and if if you haven't read it, you probably won't get why Dap and I love this so much. It, it's 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 this is when we were talking about Panic in the Sky and how every week Superman books in in that particular event they all tied into one another the story spilled out and it continued practically flawlessly. This is this is the opposite of that. This is a done in one issue. There's everything you need is within these covers. Um, well, it's not really I, done in one. There's a rematch. Well, yeah, there's a rematch and it takes place in according to the editor's notes in two weeks on and. Um, in an issue of Legion ninety four number sixty three. Yeah. Um, I mean, but effectively for the Superman books, it's done as one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely love the art in this because because Bogdanov he he's there's the, the traditional Bogdanov look, especially when Clark and Lois are at the planet before he has to go dip out. But then you also have Bog doing his best Simon Bisley impersonation. Yeah. Um, Especially with Lobo, I there's something about long-haired mullet Superman that kicks Bog into overdrive. He just I the, this version of Superman, his version with the long hair, it just there seems to be more love for the character here than there is in previous it, pre-death issues of Superman. I mean, it's still Bog; you can still see the artwork, but there's something about whether it's 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 the long flowing locks or just or, or the Fabio thing. I don't know what's going on, but but Bog just seems to really yeah. I love totally, drawing this version. Totally agree. Totally agree. There there's a sequence where uh, right after Superman punches Lobo into orbit, he he gets uh, jammed into the Thanatopsian ship, and the, the ship is full of these hulking Bisley esque bruisers and. Lobo starts ripping their heads off and he's destroying these guys and he's maiming them and ripping the limbs off. And so Superman comes into the fight and he's doing the same thing. And Lobo's like, oh, look at you, Mr. Boy Scout, ripping heads off and punching the shit out of these people. And Superman already scanned them with the X-ray vision. So he knew they were robots. And Lobo didn't know that. And he's like, wait a minute. He said, did you know they were robots? And there's one panel where Superman's like, I didn't know they were robots. And he's got this. He's looking at us. He's looking at the reader with this, the eyebrows up. And he's like, no, squinty eyed. It's a beautiful, beautiful panel. And it's Bogdanov nailed 
the the Superman's expression in that panel. Jaw. Yeah. Oh my god. I can look at this like forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Seriously. This this comic could probably cure cancer. <laughs> maybe it did. Yeah. The, well, maybe, uh, yeah. You never know. Maybe it did. <laughs> Latent. I, it was. <laughs> I think. I mean, there's just yeah, and the um, if if you read any of the previous um, Giffen and and Grant Lobo um, books, you would have, you may recognize some of the characters that Lobo um, gets attacked by and he does attack. Uh, But yeah, I mean, there's, there's just, um, this is, well, yeah, we already mentioned Seth Superman died, of course, but yeah, I just, I mean, and, and page upon page, and this isn't, this isn't, Superman 75 where every page is is a splash page but um, there aren't a ton of panels on each page but when you're fighting Lobo you don't want you you don't need the nine panel grid you're right you're right but it's it's also you also need a very confident very capable illustrator if you're going to give him a lot of space you better make that space work and man when Superman jumps to catch that gargoyle and and he's got the fist out. And he's like Lobo. That Superman is amazing. Yeah, Bogdanov Superman is a hyphen amazing. Then they 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 actually um, John and 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 Dennis actually signed that page. But the um, yeah. and we do get a page, not even a page. We get half a page with Lex Luthor the uh, second. Whereas <laughs> at this point, we realize we we we've we've established that. This Lex Luthor is a clone, yeah. Um, and and he's he's getting angry because his hairline is receding, and and that that still still in uh, in 1994 still pisses you know you know Star Trek Next Generations on the air. It's still pissing my man off. Um, that uh, he's got power, wealth, genius. He's cloned himself into a healthy body in the prime of youth, and it's not possible for Lex Luthor to still be going bald. And yeah. and it's like there's oh just, well. Oh well, <laughs> everything else going on in the world. Yeah, just, but it's neat that they. No, but on the flip side, though. Sorry, I was going to say on the flip side, though, isn't that ridiculous? I mean, yeah, we're in a we're in a universe where there are people that have godlike powers, and like you said, Lex Luthor can resurrect himself, make himself young, create super beings, but he can't cure baldness. Like if that was that important to him, he couldn't figure out how to do that. Like, <laughs> that's like that's beyond him. That's the Achilles like, heel. I mean, okay, yeah, <laughs> but uh, so Jason's all up in the original art. I would, I would plunk down decent money for a Bogdanov Superman page. Well, what do you mean decent money? Right, I was just gonna say we talking about. I, Jason. Don't, I don't know. I, I would guess Bogdanov pages. I, I don't know the business, but I'm going to guess that a Bogdanov page would probably top off at like eight fifty, twelve hundred dollars tops. I will let you know. And Lobo on it. I mean, it's it's. I'll let you know. I honestly don't know because it's not a market that I right. But it's I, neat. But I can find out in two seconds. Cool. I do, and I don't know if this is. I, I don't know if he still does this. And I know this was a few years ago. Um, his rates at cons for sketches, whatever his commission rate was, he would only do one or two doomsdays a day. Yeah. He he. And any he, upcharge for the doomsday? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I don't want a doomsday. I love doomsday. I don't want I a doomsday. That. I know that, but it was it, it's one of those things where so but I mean a page it's already been published and it's already either been has has changed hands. Um Yeah, it doesn't yeah, have to be I, I'd be curious to know. Yeah. 
but it doesn't have to be like a super slam bang like just i would be happy with an average everyday superman page like you know flying over to talk to cat or something yeah you know it doesn't need to but um it's it's nice the way simonson works regular continuity into the like it's it's very few instances there's uh uh, a conversation in the Daily Planet that amounts to like three panels, uh, and then there's Lex messing with his hair. For the most part, it's just Superman and Lobo beating the crap out of each other, and that's the magic of this issue. With yeah. all the, yeah, no, it's yeah. it's a yeah, it it is it's it's a lot of fun, and and I mean it, it's it's kind of perfect for them to do the gimmick with the with the vinyl clings. Yeah, uh, you know, I think I think the only other time really. They went. I mean, well, they did go crazy with Superman books. I mean, you had the die cut cover, you had the wedding sure. album cover, you had the. Um, I think it was um, Adventures number five hundred. That was kind of like the hollow foil yeah. cover. Yeah. Uh, but this didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like no one expected vinyl clings of Superman and Lobo. It's just. I mean, it, I would it, have loved to have seen them with the Worlds Collide series because you've had all the milestone. Yeah, characters. but I mean, it was, but it's, it wasn't a special issue. It was number thirty. Like that's not a noteworthy issue. You either do yeah. twenty five, you do fifty, right? It just, it's weird. It's a strange, odd little artifact that I think everybody should own. That's it. I agree. Yeah. So let's uh, swing it back to Jason, well, so he can tell us some stuff. This week is one of those weeks where, not that I needed a reminder, because you guys every week are my reminder of why I love comics, but uh, it was one of those, like, there was a 48-hour period where everything that I think is magical about this hobby came to pass. So, I'm on the Twitters, which I'm often reluctantly wondering why I'm still on there, but I am. And this is true of all social media, like, Vince Uh is off Facebook entirely. Dap is close to being off. I'm still there, but much less active as a poster. Um, but but neither here nor there. I, I was on Twitter, and uh, I think one of the reasons I'm still on Twitter is because I've done a much better job on Twitter than the other platforms of uh, curating my feed. Like, I block I block a motherfucker in two seconds. Like, sure. you post one thing to me, at me, about, and, you know, whether you're a loyal listener or a neighbor, you, you at me about something and it irks me, I just block you. Like, life's too short. And maybe that's why. So, like, Twitter's generally stuff that I want to see. And uh, our great friend and, and really a true ambassador for the hobby, Mark Laming, um, who just, I don't know how he does it. Like, every Friday he does the He the still does out. the follow Friday, yes. He does the follow Friday. And, we're, you know, he's, he's so amazingly gracious to mention us every week. And with such ama- amazing company, I'm always humbled mm. by it. And then... Every like three or four weeks when he does that, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do that too. And then I start trying to do a tweet and I can't because I, I get overwhelmed with who I'm not going to include, you know? And I'm like, well, I got like, I'm, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but neither here nor there. Mark posted how excited he was because Jordi Lefebvre uh, was, had a new graphic novel coming out and he said, and I'm paraphrasing Mark. So apologies. But um, basically he said in the tweet, like, uh, Jordy is my favorite cartoonist in comics, like living cartoonist. And given how much we adore Mark as a person and what an incredible artist he is, I saw that tweet and I'm like, oh, shit. Because, you know, I mean, I feel like we, we know most, like, accomplished comic book creators, right? Like, not all, but we know most of them. We're at least passively familiar with who they are. And I was not familiar with Jordy Lefebvre. I'm like, oh, 
and all of a sudden a guy who I think has great taste tells me it's his favorite cartoonist, um, my, my, my spidey sense is tingling, right? So I immediately go to the, to the interwebs and start looking up this gentleman's work. And he is a, well, he's a Spaniard, but he lives, I believe he li- he lives in Belgium and has for most of his adult life, but he's, he's born in Spain. Um, he's a longtime cartoonist. He's been out for about 20 years. So then I'm like, oh, damn, I should really know this person. Like, that's shame on me. Uh, and he's got quite an extensive collection of uh, Bond dessinée, of graphic novels. Um, so I start kind of like falling down the rabbit holes and want to do. And I start seeing stuff online and everything I'm coming across is in French. Again, not unusual. And I'm like, oh, man, this is beautiful. But I don't speak French. And do I want to order something? And like just for the art, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. And so that's that's like the first part of why I love comics, right, is that you you build this relationships with other people and they turn you on to things. And no matter how plugged in you think you are or how active we are in the hobby, there's always something new to discover and fall in love with that you just didn't know existed. Right. Okay. So then I'm like, okay, well, I wonder if there's English versions and I go on Instagram and Jordy has an Instagram account as is not unusual. And I DM him, you know, I'm like, well, we'll see. I DM him within him 20 minutes. He hits me back. Which is the second thing I love about comics, right? Like, what other hobby can you just discover a creator or love a creator and be in direct contact with him within an hour, you know? Um, And I just said, hey, I'm brand new to your work, but a good friend of mine turned us on to your work and it looks beautiful. And But I don't speak French and I'd love to know if any of your work is or is soon to be translated into English. And then he says, hey – I don't know if you know this, but Europe Comics does English translations largely digitally, and they have translated a number of my works. Now, Dap is grinning because he and I have spent quite a bit of time this year talking about our mutual affection for Europe Comics. So I've raced right to Europe Comics' website, and sure enough, a bunch of his well-known works are there for me, and they have been there for me. I just did never notice them before. So I hit the buy button, and I dive in. And I read uh, four of his graphic novels this week, um, three of which are written. He's an artist. He's the he's the illustrator. Uh, three of the four were written by his longtime partner. And I hope I'm saying his name right. He goes by the name of Zidru, Z-I-D-R-O-U. The artist in question is Jordi Lefebvre, J-O-R-D-I-L-A-F-E-B-R-E. Um. And I dove in and I read these books and I fell absolutely in love. And so much so that I asked Jordy if he was doing commissions. He <laughs> is doing commissions. Unfortunately, and this may shock some of you, he's out of my price range. Say love. Whoa. Me. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, but first, let me speak about his art. Like, again, the reason I fell down this rabbit hole is because Mark Laming said it was his favorite cartoonist. Um, the art is jaw dropping. As you might imagine, given the compliment that led me there, but um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe him in a way that will just kind of codify to the listeners who can't see it. And by his own admission, his number one inspiration was Chuck Jones. So when you read a Lefebvre drawn bande dessinée, it looks very much like illustration, like like cartoon, almost like cell cell animation. 
Um, and all the work that at least that I've seen to him to date has been entirely human, like non, like normal human character interaction. Like these are slice of life comics by and large. Uh, and just these incredibly animated, wonderfully expressive human faces and bodies. Um, and I was reading some interviews with Jordy and he was saying that, you know, for him, it's always been about being able to convey uh, life and motion and vibrancy into the human form in a static image. And like, that's his quest. And I think he does it really well. Um, and all of the works too, although they're very different at their, you know, if I were to give you an elevator pitch for each at their core, they're all essentially very, very delicate looks at the human condition um, and beautiful in their own ways. Um, my personal favorite of the four that I read was actually the oldest and it was called Liddy, L-Y-D-I-E, and it's a single graphic novel. And when I say graphic novels, keep in mind, like many European works, these are like novellas. Um, most of them are between 80 and 100 pages. So we're not talking 300-page collections of six to eight issues of comic. I mean, these are very quick reads in the sense that you can sit down and read a couple graphic novels in, in, a, in a day or two. Um, but Liddy is a story set in the 30s, and it's both incredibly sad and beautiful at the same time. The premise is as follows. Uh, a woman gives birth to a child and it's stillborn. And she lives in this little, this little corner of this French village. Maybe it's Belgium. I'm pretty sure it's France, but, but it's this French village, this little cul-de-sac and everybody's very close in the cul-de-sac and she has this stillborn baby. And of course, because it's a small town and this local, everybody knows and um, she has a mental break, in essence, where she believes that her child doesn't ever die. And rather than it go into a thing of like them trying to treat her for that, they end up just all acquiescing to this idea that her baby never died. And for the rest of her life, everyone in her little community plays along. So like when she's walking in a, with a stroller and her baby's crying if anyone's around they help soothe the baby when it's time to start elementary school she's walking hand in hand with her imaginary daughter into the school and the teacher's like hey everybody let's welcome liddy and the kids are like hi liddy because in this little pocket they all feel so bad for her and they don't see any harm in giving her this little bit of peace of mind that they just play along with it and it lasts for her entire life and it's, you know, it sounds strange, but it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I mean, this woman has this massive mental break where she can't accept the death of her stillborn child. And so the whole town gives her the grace of like letting that be the reality for the rest of her life. And it was just, it knocked me on my ass, man. Like, I mean, you know, I have three kids. I've been fortunate we never lost a child, but like, man, it was just beautiful. It was really just a beautiful, beautiful book. And, um, if you're only going to have time or interest or budget to read one of these, that would be the one I, I suggest you read. Um, and then there's a two-parter, um, which is um, set in World War II in France. And it um, this one was a much – it was a, a much um, – how do I say it? Um, it was a harder read because the main characters are much more flawed. Um, and like what I mean by that is that they make decisions during World War II 
that are um, ones, let's just say, history hasn't been kind to. You know, um, the main protagonist is um, a detective, a, a detective in the Vice Squad, and um, they. It starts where he's just learning how to be a vice cop, and uh, but then during this, we get the Nazi occupation. And like many people in his position, he is forced into a situation of having to essentially help the SS round up uh, Jews in France. And the book now is kind of taking place at the culmination of all this, where uh, the Brits are bombing Paris and he is uh, huddled up in a, um, you know, some kind of building or bunker, what have you, along with other people just trying to stay safe from the bombs. And they're all kind of getting to know each other. And he tells his story. And uh, his story is far more complex than that. I mean, it talks about how he came to be a detective and how he had a, a, a broken relationship and had troubles with intimacy. Uh, and then got to know his detective chief and his other partners and that they were quirky and so forth and so on. And he has this really fascinating relationship with a, with a prostitute uh, who he loves and wants to wants her to uh, to leave the um you know the, the job of being a prostitute but uh, she doesn't want to i mean she likes what she does she makes good good money and so she turns him down and it breaks his heart and then there's a moment during the roundup where it turns out that this prostitute is jewish and uh he you know he out of almost spite because of the fact that she turned him down two years before to be his wife uh effectively hands her over you know and it's a uh, it's tough stuff. It really is. You know, it's, 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 it's a hard thing to, to see. Um, but it's, it's the, but the work and the, the, the intricacies and the layering of these characters, you don't read it. Like you don't come away like mad at the guy. I mean, but he's also not a hero. Uh, and it's just a, it's just a journey through his, let's say six or seven years of this detective's life. Um, and it's relatively sad in the fact that he had to make these choices, which he now deeply regrets even in the moment. Um, but again, it's like this beautiful human human story uh, that uh, it just knocked me on my ass, man. Like I, I don't know what to say other than that that the, this guy is just an absolute beast. And I just think that if if you like me, you have not heard of him, then uh, you should, after we're done listening, give give it a little Google search and um, and dive in because you will not be uh, you will not be uh, disappointed. It, it's it's just. I, I now know why Laming likes Jordy's work so much. And uh, I can also say that uh, having chatted with him a bit on the socials, he's a super nice guy and uh, definitely worth your attention. He, his new book is not in English. This is the one that like Mark was shouting out is not in English. And I assume Mark maybe, maybe speaks French. I don't know. Um, and then the, the fourth book is the one that's the newest. And, it's I read the first volume, but as I think there are at least five, if not six volumes out already. Uh, and it's it's the English translation is Glorious Summers. So, again, I only read the first volume, but the premise of Glorious Summers is uh, a man that looks probably and I don't know if this is autobiographical or not, but a man is a struggling cartoonist uh, who works too much and he looks like the cartoon version of Jordy. And uh, he he's his kids and his wife are waiting for him to finish a job uh, at the drawing table so that they can go on a vacation. And he finally finishes and they go on the vacation. And the book is simultaneously a 
a day-by-day accounting of their really fun, wonderful, loving vacation, but also at the undertone of the fact that his wife has already, and they already understand it, are planning, she's planning to leave him. And he knows that, and she knows that. Their parents know that, but the kids don't know. And the premise of this is like, we want to give the kids one more great memory, one more great vacation before we tell them that we're splitting up. And again, the dichotomy of that, right? Like there's these incredible moments where they're jumping into the lake and and playing on swings and they're, and they're getting palm frites at their favorite place when they cross the Belgian border. And they're just being silly and singing songs in the car. All the while, the husband and wife understand that they're in the process of ending their relationship. Uh, and it just, even though I've never had that circumstance, it's just be, because I have a, a great marriage and I love my wife. Like I, I, it drew me into the what if, and I thought, God damn, like Lefebvre and his partner uh, just have this way of evoking the human condition. And it's wrapped in this absolutely stunning animation style cartooning of, of Lefebvre that, that just is perfection. It's perfection. So you all know I love Slice of Life comics, and probably much more so than my co-host, it's fair to say. Um, and, and this is as good of a collection of them as I've read in uh, a long time. So I, I just – I just, deter, just this is really more about praising him than any specific one of his works, but I would just implore you to check it out. And I don't think I mentioned the, the, the two-part World War II story is actually called Vice Squad because he, he's a Vice comic. I didn't mention that, but it's – so it's, uh, it's Liddy. Vice Squad, which is volumes one and two, and then Glorious Summers. Now, um, Liddy, Vice Squad, and Glorious Summers are all available on EuropeComics.com, which Dap and I have talked about many times. They their their stock in trade is taking Bondesine, and uh, because they're not sure they can sell enough physical copies of translated books, they translate them digitally, and they're very affordable. Uh, you can get all of them also through the Europe Comics link in Comicsology. So if you're a Comicsology user, you can go to Comicsology and get them. Uh, I believe the first volume of Rice Squad and Liddy are also part of Comics uh, Comicsology Unlimited. So if you're on Unlimited, I think you can read those two as part of your existing subscription. I believe the other two I purchased, but uh, don't quote me on that because I, I didn't I didn't note that in my notes today. But I, I'm pretty sure I paid for two of them, and two of them were just part of my subscription. But they were all very affordable, like a couple bucks each. So uh, can't recommend it more. And huge hat tip to Laming, like I'm. This is my new obsession, so I can't wait to uh, to 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 track down more of his work. I'm down with the art. Yes, uh, great. I do see the uh, Chuck Jones influence. I was looking at there was a a uh, a page where a family was that's the uh, glorious summer stuff was at a beach. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and like the father looks like Tom would look at Jerry before he eats him. Like they just, the, it's so the, funny. Cause right. When, when you're, that's it's spot on. Cause when I was trying to think, how am I going to describe this? And I, and I saw that Lefebvre loved Chuck Jones. I thought Tom and Jerry, like this is yeah. Tom and Jerry. It's they're they're hyper exaggerated uh, yeah. facial contortions, which is, it's yeah, it looks beautiful, but um, I think it would be a struggle for me to read those. No, no question. This yeah. is not, 
Now, see, when, when, when you, as you were detailing them, I'm like, okay, this is cool. There's a whole town of people lying to this woman to keep her from going insane. And the parents are taking these kids on a trip to make themselves feel better before they destroy their entire worlds. Like, that's how my mind works. Like, I don't see it as a bittersweet, um, you know, testament to the, the, the love shared by this nuclear family. Like, they're going to destroy these kids' worlds. Right, but uh, yeah, I but don't care about any of that. I, it doesn't I, end that way. I okay, but the saving grace for me in all this, I don't even care if I could read them. It would just be looking at this beautiful art. That's that would be definitely the yeah. the thing that gets me in the door because I think uh, Jordy's art's just impeccable. Yeah, You're that's right. the thing. Like that's what I was saying. Like it was one of those moments where I took took a step back and thought, "This is why comics is amazing." Right? You get a recommendation. It's it's of totally new stuff. Like you think you know everything about the industry and you didn't know this guy existed, but he's making great comics for 20 years. Then you go down the rabbit hole and I'm talking to, I'm literally like two hours into knowing this man exists on the planet earth. I'm chatting with him live in a messenger app, right? Like that's freaking awesome. You well, know here's what I mean? the like, deal. Like, I hope, cool. I hope that he hears this or Mark says, my friend, they talked you up, or Jason talked you up, and he'd be like, oh, the guy did me a solid. So you know what? My commission's usually like $75,000. I'll let you have it for five. And you'd right. be like, oh, but, my dude. That's that's another humbling thing when you interact with European creators. Sure. So he's a Spaniard who lives in Belgium. He speaks fluent French and fluent Spanish, and he's chatting with me on Instagram in perfect English. Mm. And I'm thinking, we are such assholes in our country oh like, you're not kidding like, yeah we can't speak of, like, we just assume that everyone else on the earth speaks perfect english why because they do yeah like because they fucking do because they have to and it's like we can't be bothered to know any other languages no. fluently and this dude knows at least three probably knows four others for all i know yep crusty butthole of the planet the united states yep. there you go so there you go yeah I, I'm, that I'm was just, nice I, I got the patience for for lefebvre good for you i'm glad you enjoyed it uh, mm-hmm. Sounds like it really touched you. Mm-hmm. Cool. So what else, fellas? Oh, Dap, let's talk about our thing. We can't talk about our thing. Yeah. You don't know which direction I'm going to go on it, though. So you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, so I can I'll, I'll either weep myself to sleep tonight, um, or I'll walk downstairs when we're done punching the air. <laughs> Um, wow. <laughs> so there's every once in a while I'll read something and I'm like, and, and it's, I, this, this is going to be on Jason's best thing I read this week list. It, it's, it really is when I, when I saw the solicit, um, I was hemming and hawing at first and I missed the initial, I missed the final order cutoff for customers when, um, I think right when the, the the previews with the second issue hit, um, I, I I added it to my pull list, and and the shop owner um, saw it on there, and and now that it's on my pull list, when the first issue came out yesterday, it was in my file, and and I left the store with it. But uh, when I read the solicit, I am a I'm a mark for alternate history. Um, I I did up. What ifs, Elseworlds, Sliders, Mirror Universe? I'm I'm all about it. And if um, if someone's going to tell some stories, I'm interested. I'm not necessarily a massive conspiracy theory wonk, but I 
I enjoy listening to folks who are, um, and, and, and for good or bad, I might be amused and I might just shake my head. And, and, um, and I think a lot of where we are in the world right now is, is because people take some theories and hold them as absolute truths. And it's not always a good thing, but the department of truth from image comics was released yesterday and it's written by James Tynan the fourth art by Martin Simmons. And, um, I sat down and, and I read it straight through and, um, the art is, I know, I know Vince has his issues, um, with the art for me, there are there are definitely books where I'll read and I'm like I can't get past the art. I'm not I'm not I'm not feeling it. I can't I, I can't get into the story because of it, because comics are a visual medium. You know you want to be able to enjoy what you're looking at. Um, but this is one of those cases where the the story is absolutely what's what's got me by the balls, and I'm going to want to see where it takes. Especially after that cliffhanger of the last page, I want to see the big reveal at the last page. I want to see where we're going with it. Um, and the, the art definitely reminds me. Of of Sienkiewicz, no doubt, reminds me of um, Dave McKeon from Arkham Asylum. It, 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 it Huddleston from when he did Butcher Baker. There, there, there's some looks there. Kent Williams, if you remember the Meltdown miniseries, there's just there's there's definitely. Um, I think it looks like Temple Smith actually. I can see spell. that too. Um, I absolutely can see that. But but basically, the story is about. Um, we're getting it on the ground floor because as some of the better stories like to do, they'll introduce a character and that's, that's your intro. That's the reader's introduction to, to this world, to this universe, these stories. Um, and we, uh, we're kind of shown how a, um, how an FBI special agent, um, spent his uh his weekend and that's kind of where we go um as far as conspiracy theories and things like that and and um this is all because he attended and they've probably been watching him for a while but basically he attended a flat earth conference and 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 if you want to mock or ridicule or belittle members of the flat earth society. I'm pretty much going to buy a front row ticket for that. <laughs> um, and that, and, and listen, and I'm, I'm reading some of it and I'm like, is he, is he making fun of them or is he one of them? And is, is he telling this story as someone who's an outsider looking in? And so I'm not, I have no idea where James may stand on the issue. And I'm not going to put words in his mouth. I'm not going to assume, um, but once once you're kind of once the issue starts off with um, following the assassination of of JFK, um, and I think I, I I don't think and and maybe and, and those are the preview pages that you saw from the previous catalog a few months ago. I don't know if necessarily that was enough to hook anybody. I don't know if that did it any favors. Cause once you get past that, as far as I'm concerned, that's one, but like, that's almost that that's really there for something that, that gets paid off later on. But that's not, that's not the hook. If it was just a bunch of conversations of, of, about whether or not 
the bullet went you know, back to the left. I don't care. I just, it's, it's, this is, it's after that, after those first couple pages, that's what's got its hooks in me. And, and I absolutely, um, I mean, they, they there's, there's Coke Brothers analogs in here. There's a, uh, there's whether or not, um, there's a bunch of rich people, bunch of white people who are sitting around in a separate room watching a video and cheering because this video is basically uh th- th- this video was um it's like the Zapruder film well it's uh, the, the video that everybody is cheering um is the video that was in um in Stanley Kubrick's vault and it is the video of the um of the moon landing yeah um and and the uh, and everybody's cheering because now they know and and they're and they don't want this this would be a big enough story on its own but they don't want to just leave it um, leave it with that there's bigger news to reveal that'll make it all even better and then people go on a plane trip and that's all cool and all but basically the the story Cole is telling it's kind of like his interview. Um, and, and as as uh, as Cole Turner is, is, is Agent Cole Turner is telling this story when he concludes, and and we're back where he is at the table talking to this this older gentleman and and the woman who brought him there. Um, now we're getting into the I don't want to say mystical, but it's basically the um the theory of you know if you give enough power to something you you're going to make it true people are going to believe it and that's and that's going to make it happen and and um that's putting as plainly as possible but there's there's quite a bit um going on here and and i am i'm i'm in i i'm just i can't wait for the second issue now this was absolutely this was this i didn't the art was fine for me. I, but it's 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 the story that uh, that Tyner wants to tell that uh, that has me all about it. So yeah, I, I absolutely think Department of Truth, the first issue at least was um, was one of those first issues that just absolutely hooked me from um, almost from the start and and uh, kind of going to be one of those you know soon as I get it. When I bring home from the shop, I'm I'm reading it if I don't read it on the way walking home. But yeah, th- this was I, I absolutely thought this was a um, this is a home run for me. But now that uh, I know Jason's read it, I'm curious to know where you land on it. Well, I will say that Department of Truth is the truth. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm actually legit sad. That Vince didn't like this issue. Mm. And when the, the and when the patrons hear the extras, they're gonna go along. They're gonna say exactly what we were saying. But go ahead. Yeah, because <sighs> if you go back and watch my previews video of when this was solicited, I said, "Oh, I'm sure you all have already seen Vince gush about this because <laughs> this was a comic made for him." Mm. But I think it looks cool too. That's good. Um, now again, I have no issues after hearing why it didn't work for Vince. Like to each his own. We all don't connect with everything, but I am bumped out because I think the construct of the like the premise 
is like a thousand percent more Vince than it is you or I, Dap. Like, it, yes, it like I agree. I mean, Vince, you, I mean, you live for the conspiracy theory. Major like mystery that. solved. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's true. But it is what it is, man. Like, it's a visual medium. I'm right there. A flag. I'm carrying the baton with you. That like, if the visuals don't work for you, then it just doesn't matter what the story's like. Right. So I get that. But I am bummed because I really thought like, oh, this is a book that Vince is gonna like plots about. Um, I'm with you, Dap. I, I mean, I. I wouldn't say like I was blown away by the visuals, but I wasn't offended by them either. I mean, um, again, I, I for me, the first few pages, I just thought I, I literally thought like, oh, if you told me Temple Smith did this, I would have believed it because to me it looked exactly like Fell looked. Now, admittedly, I haven't read Fell in years, so maybe if I went back and looked at Fell, I'd have to recant and say, no, 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 Temple Smith's a a better illustrator. I don't know. I mean, but I'm saying like for me, I'm like, oh, okay, like. I didn't even see this as a Sinkevich knockoff, honestly. Like, I, I actually saw it as a Temple Smith, uh, like, more of a Temple Smith vibe. But, but regardless, it, it was fine for me. Uh, I don't think – I mean, the visuals weren't the selling point for me. Um, but they weren't offensive either. Uh, but like you said, I think – is it Tynan? Like, are we – because I feel it like it's, it's, it's spelled no. Tinian, but it's yes. Tynan? Okay. And it, and it, and it actually and, – and um, just like Remender has Giant Generator and everybody mm-hmm. has their own studios, it's actually – you see at the bottom on the on the inside cover, Tiny Onion Studios. Is oh, nice. Is. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, we should give Tiny Tiny his props. I mean, for our own friends and brotherhood reasons, we haven't talked about Tiny's Batman run very much. Right. And I think and and but, and I I yeah. thought about this mm-hmm. earlier just tonight. And and um, Tiny's def- I, I haven't read everything he's done, but he's definitely been more hit than miss with me. Yeah. And and and. I mean, I'll just, I'll just call it what it is, you know. I mean, Tom, as as our listeners know, Tom King is a good friend of us, of ours, and he was on this quest to be the longest-running writer of Batman, and it, it got derailed for lots of reasons, and Tynan took over. Um, and again, I, I, it wasn't like Tynan was, like, behind-the-scenes, you know, uh, machinating to, to, to displace Tom. It just, he was picked to replace him, and... Um, and I haven't I, read his I'm work. Hearing, everybody but, who's hmm? still reading Batman is 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 really down with it. They're, they're, they're I was going like, to say right, like yeah, like I haven't read it because of again, it's just my own personal thing. Like a, I feel like a friend got wronged, so I just kind of dumped it. But to your point, Dap, I mean, I think those people in our circle of influence that have continued to read it seemingly are very impressed with what he's doing at the book. Um, and then, like you said, everything else I've read of his has been very good. So I do think he's one of those guys that's probably emerged from this draft class as someone that's going to stick around. Um, I'm with you. I, I, I don't consider myself someone that's like particularly enamored with the conspiracy stuff. Um, I'm not, I, I was a huge X-Files fan. I mean, like I'm into it when it's well done, but it's not like it's something I seek out. It's not a genre like post-apocalyptic stuff where I would just seek it out because of the genre. Um, but I thought it was well executed. Um, I I'm like I'm totally down with it. I thought the last page reveal was was clever and I didn't think they overdid it, right? Like I don't I think that like you said the premise is that if enough people believe in something it becomes reality. And uh I just think there's so much like meta to that right now, right? Where we live in a world where a 100 people can watch the exact same 60 minutes of two people talking and genuinely perceive what happened in completely different ways. Yeah. And I'm not going to get all political, but I do think we are at a point in human history where the very concept of what reality and fact are 
are like in question and and it's it's baffling to me but it's never been clearer that like you can totally perceive reality in a different way from the person next to you and i didn't realize that was the case until the last few years uh and i love the premise that like hey if enough people believe something even though that's not what actually happened the world can change and that's what happened and there are consequences to that they can have a lot of fun with it it could go on forever because there's a million butterfly effect moments in history that you could play with that with um on the other hand he could just have eight to 12 issues of a really tight story involving the big reveal that he uses if, if the book doesn't sell. So, like, I just think it's a very well-executed first issue. It hooked me, and I'm definitely coming back for more. Nice. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you read the first issue, or you just you no, read I, the first No, I pages? didn't read it because okay. I, yeah, for various reasons. And and I and again, I, I don't begrudge you, the but I... I I always am surprised when you're dismissive of something because of the art. Uh, I don't Just because have... you are so open minded, right? Like it's true. Like yeah. Like you know, you again, you're you you have got me in our decade and a half of friendship. You have taken me on a path of totally reshaping my ability to appreciate an artistic endeavor, whether it be you know the Josh Bears of the you know like whatever yeah. like like the much more impressionistic sort of passionate non-realistic looking visuals I've in many ways become a huge fan of in no small part because of your advocating of, of that kind of work. And so I'm never like, I understand that that doesn't mean you're going to, I know that your appreciation of lots of different types of art doesn't mean you like all art. Like I get that, but I am, there's always a moment in weeks like this where I'm kind of taking it back when there's a specific style that you just don't like enough that it, curtails your willingness to even give it a try and it's, that that I'm, I'm, i wish i could i wish there was a formula i could figure out with what, of what type of art that is yeah it's not a, a particular style it's um it's derivative right when you think something's I derivative, i don't have time in my life for mediocre if mm-hmm. I, if i'm going to devote x amount of, of time reading a book i want to be assured that it's it's going to captivate me on a level. Maybe the story won't work, but I, I at least want the visuals to to enthrall me. And I just think, you know, no offense to Simons, uh, I think the book is is mediocre. It's it's not wonderfully detailed. It's not horrible. It's middle of the road. It's mm-hmm. to me, it's a it's a guy. It's a one man Sinkevich cover band, and he's out of tune. It just mm-hmm. doesn't work for me. And I, it's not horrible. But it's it again. There's really nothing in it that I could say. Holy shit! That they really did. They knocked that panel out of the park. It, it's good enough, right? I don't need sure. good enough in my life. There's plenty of good enough out there. But no, it's, it's you know, to, yeah, to, to, and I'm not trying to shit on it. I, I'm glad. Right. I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it. This the, the the story sounds to me like you're talking about a tulpa, which is is a you know a a, a collective thought form uh, when when. Uh, the the power of the mind is put to uh, one specific, very visually, uh, mentally, a very real real thing. The the that's mind exactly can what he uses that that that's he, he even asks the person doing the interview more or less asks Cole if um, you're saying it was kind of uh, tulpa space yes and, yes and, and yeah, that, so that spills over into Twin Peaks and it spills over into a lot of things it's that I love now, listen, hold on because you 
there there are moments where the gentleman conducting the interview, I swear to God, I thought Simmons was Lynch as uh, as as reference. Okay, but there you go. Uh, I, <laughs> no, I just I, I don't want to be mean. I really don't. I just don't think I, I, the, I he didn't enthrall me in Punk's Not Dead from the the IDW. What was it? The Black Crown stuff. Like I just I'm not oh, in that as well. Yeah, I'm not in tune with Simmons' mm-hmm. stuff. It's just it's not horrible. It's not wonderful. It's it is like Dark Side, and I'm just I don't just don't get it. And I don't I, I got I got I have more things to read than this. No, it's fine. You don't need to apologize. No, but I feel bad, like not liking something. But it's always funny with the attenuation, right? Like, like I think we all do this now. I mean, anything I read, I think, oh, would would my booze enjoy this or not? And like with the Lefebvre stuff, as you even said after I talked about it, you 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 looked at the art, you concur the art is gorgeous, but the premise of the stories aren't your cup of tea. And that was my interpretation. Like after I read it, I thought. Yeah, Vince wouldn't really groove on this. Like, he would appreciate the artistry, but it's not his kind of story. I think Dap would really enjoy these stories because right. he has, like, he's into more of, like, the romantic comics. He has a heart. <laughs> no, well, it's not. I mean, I'm just saying, but, like, ah, like come I on. Think we do that, right? Like, we're always like, oh, I think David or, you know, we all kind of in our heads decide what we think you would sure. like or wouldn't like. And so I'm always generally fascinated when I get one of those things wrong. Like, when Dap loves or hates something that I thought he would be on the other side, or you love or hate something that I thought you'd be on the other side. And, and you know, that doesn't happen all that often because I think we all know each other's tastes quite well now. But but uh, when it does, because it doesn't happen often, I'm fascinated about the why. And I get it. Like, I get it. Like, like, like he's just not your dude no. visually. And that's fine. No. So there you go. What else? Oh, there's lots else. Yeah, so speak on it. You know, we mentioned a um, little bit of Black Adam during that. I was going to um, say, didn't you premise this as a book that you hadn't ever read back when it came out, and you feel stupid for having not done so? Extremely stupid. Yes, <laughs> yes. It went from the went from the big blue boy scout to the big red cheese. Yeah. So this is the red and blue op episode. Yes. The big blue and now the big red cheese, but um, that's why I said we're probably going to lose Jason forever. Because we know that he's not a gigantic fan of Superman, and I don't really think he likes Captain Marvel all that much either. Just for the record, um, that's that's BS. He probably likes Captain Marvel more than I do. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, I have not read a tremendous amount of Captain Marvel or Shazam, but of the the conclave that is the three of us, that yeah, you know, just on record last episode is like I'm not really a fan of the character. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm, I, I, I mean, I, like of what I've read, I've enjoyed the character quite a bit. I, I mean, I cool. Admittedly, I, I'm more uh, of a neophyte in the character, but what I have read of the character, I'm down for. Like you, I mean, you guys remember that one of the reasons I went from being a Marvel zombie to being someone who reads a lot of DC was in no small part because of Fifty Two. Yes, and and. The the Marvel family was a massive part of Fifty Two. Yeah, and they hypersexualized Mary, but it worked. Okay. I, I guess like, it worked. I, again, things that don't make sense. Vince taking issue with hypersexualizing a a teenage female character. Like you, your shelves are full of that type. Of it, yes, but they're not Mary freaking Marvel. That there's a problem. I'm just there are some non sequiturs in your. Uh, yes, yeah, very much so. Very we are much. human, and humans are illogical. I know very uh, so, uh, but I don't understand. The Dap doesn't like Captain Marvel. Doesn't compute. But so yes, extremely stupid in the fact that I had not read 
a single page of the power of Shazam. It's nuts. Like, uh, Jerry Ordway is one of my favorite guys ever, uh, especially on Superman. And we just got done, Dap and I just got done telling you about how much we love the Triangle Era, and Ordway's a huge part of that. Um, why, I don't know why I never read Power of Shazam, but I didn't. So when DC offered the first uh, volume in the collected hardcover um, Power of Shazam library, let's call it, I said, hot damn, I'm down for this. Um, It collects the initial Power of Shazam one-shot, the prestige format one-shot, and uh, uh, a very, very short uh, special story and the first 12 issues of the Power of Shazam series proper. And it was just uh, perfection for me. If if every comic was like the Power of Shazam, I would read every comic. It just it it pushed all the damn buttons. It, it was an inventive uh, retake on the 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 uh, Captain Marvel origin. I thought the series was alternately lighthearted and. Um, there are sections that are are very uh, dark, and it's crazy the the juxtaposition of the two. But most more often than not, it's just a lighthearted, fun series about a boy with godlike powers trying to come to grips with what he's been given, um, and amassing a family in the process. It, I I love it. I love every page of it. Um, and now I have to say, I think the 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 uh, prestige format one shot, which was written and illustrated by Jerry Ordway, by far is the best looking thing in this book. I mean, yeah, I it, mean, not, nothing. I think Manley and Krauss do well. Oh you know, no, yeah, well they're together, great, but but, but yeah, th- you to, know, to to set it up to 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 establish um, the look, the feel, uh, to put it in that setting. To, yeah. to to bring the character into a more modern aesthetic, I don't. You you can't. How many guys are go wrong with as good as Ordway? It's insane. It give me a break, yeah. right? The it's man, it's it's his middle name should be freaking Jerry freaking Ordway. There's just something about his his work where everything just fits. It, it he doesn't. It's not hyper super realistic, but it just feels like it's similar. It's uh, this is going to come out wrong, but it, it it's it's got more flourish than like say Gabriel Hardman. But you know the people in in a Gabriel Hardman story are all like live on can exist in a real plane, and yeah. and, and Ordway's very much that way. It's a little bit more comic booky. It's it 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 absolutely fits the medium. But I I mean there's the man every every line on an, on an Ordway page serves a purpose everything is there for a reason it's 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 close to flawless when it comes to comic book artwork i think no i i have other than the fact that uh i think ordway's a very much in in the realist camp um it, it's a very sculpted very if this is going to make no sense but it's a stylized realism sure uh, 
just like you said, Hardman, he's a realist too, but it's more his is a more of an expressive realism, whereas okay, yes. whereas Ordway's very much chiseled and it's it's there there are parameters. It's there's there are definitions to to Ordway's line work that he his like his stalactites. Yeah. The guy draws gorgeous stalactites, and it makes no sense. It's it's What's, just a stipple kind of kind of kind of. It, it's the stalactite and stalagmite version of Kirby dots. He does this pattern on stalagmites, and he does it, and it's gorgeous. But it's just it's just him making this three dimensional form, right? But uh, to my eyes, it, it is perfect superhero comics. There's, I think the 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 way he draws Captain Marvel and Superman and just larger than life characters, yikes! He's so freaking good. There are when 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 people draw when someone's drawing a comic book and and whether it's it's going to be like someone like 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 Bogdanov who's going to draw like these huge knockdown drag out fights. Yeah, you want to you know you're going for the action. You want to make sure everything looks great. You want to line up the shot in that panel like a director with the camera. Everything's got to look good in that scene. And you know anatomy or or actual realistic physics be damned. This is going to look cool. Ordway still looks cool, but Ordway will put his characters in a position where it might look awkward, but because of perspective and because of real life, that's just how someone will fall or someone will get punched or just it might look awkward when you compare it to other comic books like by Kirby or someone, but it fits because that's that's how that's how someone would fall in the real world. That's how someone would lay down if they got, you know, so it's just it's. So it may not always be something special or splashy, but it it just it it is what it it is. It, it, that's just yeah. how things play out. It's so good. Um, it's it's the superhero um, aesthetic version of candy. You just mm. can't stop at one page, and that I'm, I'm not only talking Ordway. The 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 later issues by. Um, uh, Manly and uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank here. Yeah, Kraus. Uh, they're 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 great, and and I shouldn't like it because they break with convention. They take Captain Marvel. I mean, he's still in Fawcett City, and Fawcett City is very realistic, and Captain Marvel is very realistic. Like you don't get that cartoony take, the CC Beck take on Captain Marvel, which is what longtime Captain Marvel fans immediately associate the character with the cc back version because it was by far the best and will always be the best take on the character and that's why we we gushed when bogdanov drew captain marvel cartoony in panic in the sky surrounded by all these realistically drawn characters was because it spoke to the origins of the character right but um i loved every page of this i don't know how far we get into it but uh the like the the one shot is kind of brutal um yeah no it really is that yeah. um you have cc batson and his name is clarence charles batson which is uh, a little flip a dip because charles clarence beck was one half of the creative team that created captain marvel and and he was in my mind 
C.C. Beck is the best artist to ever touch the character. Like the, he, you, we have characters that define these imaginary beings for their entire uh, existences. Like in my mind, you know, Kirby's the dude for Fantastic Four and Commandy, but uh, and other things. But um, C.C. Beck is Captain Marvel. You can't separate the two in my mind. That is the 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 peak the pinnacle of of delineation for captain marvel whatever right so so cc uh batson and his wife marilyn are in egypt and they they're they're there on a, an expedition funded by uh savannah and uh, and savannah has um a man uh theo adam with them and the thing that they're they're in this temple of um uh, Ramses the second, and I feel like I'm in Nacho Libre. Ramses, he's debased. But uh, so, so they're in the temple of Ramses, and they find a secret chamber. And Cece's like, whoa, 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 whoa! We gotta wait for the uh, the liaison from the Cairo Department of Antiquities because we can't be pillaging the temple. You know, there's there's thieves in the temple, and the thieves are us. So we shouldn't touch these things. And Adam's like bullshit this is awesome and he and, and he pushes Marilyn out of the way and Cece gets pissed off and clocks him and he's like don't you touch my wife so there's there's like unease in this thing long story short they find a hidden chamber and the hidden chamber is the the uh it's delineated with a lot of bunch of, you know a bunch of stuff but most importantly there's a lightning bolt that should raise a couple of eyebrows because we are talking Captain Marvel. There's a lightning bolt, and then there's a scarab with two uh, palms that flank it. And Adam tries to say, he's like, wait a minute, put your palms on it, and it's going to work, and I know what I'm doing, and he gets zapped with electricity. Um, so Cece tries it, and he says, wait a minute, let me decipher this. And it says, what did you, it says, it says Shazam. And when he says Shazam, the temple reveals itself, and there's a pharaoh uh, sarcophagus of a pharaoh in there and it's got a scarab necklace on it and Marilyn's like Adam goes for the necklace it's like a man possessed and Marilyn's like you don't touch that we gotta th- these things have a place in Cairo they're not ours and they fight and um, the the scarab necklace breaks and Marilyn takes part and Adam has part in his hands long story short Adam stabs CC leaves him in the temple for dead. The temple comes crashing down around him. Adam goes back to Marilyn's and CC's hotel room, stabs her, kills her. She, but not before she puts uh, the uh, her chunk of the scarab necklace in a talkie tawny doll. What? Right? And um, so Adam leaves with little Mary, their their daughter. They left. Billy back in in Fawcett City while they were on an expedition uh, because he was in school blah 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 so now Billy is 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 an orphan and he's selling newspapers on the street and you know how the rest of it goes uh, at least in theory someone escorts Billy into the subway and in the subway there's a mysterious cavern that showcases the seven deadly sins and and it leads to the the rock of eternity within a subway system uh and the wizard shazam gives billy the power of the wisdom of solomon and the strength of hercules and atlas's stamina and the power of zeus and achilles courage and the speed of mercury you know the deal um but billy can't deal with it he can't 
fathom. He can't conceptualize all this power. And he's a hu- and he's a man now, and he doesn't know, but he looks just like his dad. Um, and and so that the the whole conflict between Savannah and Black Adam plays out in the one shot, and then it just trails through the 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 the, the Power of Shazam series proper, and it feels like Triangle Era Superman to me is the long-winded way of saying that this Power of Shazam series feels a hell of a lot like Triangle Era Superman. There's a lot of stuff happening. The The supporting cast is robust. We first get Mary, and she's been adopted by this loving couple, and her nanny just turns out to be the sister of, of Black Adam. <laughs> like, it's how things work, you know. Um Dudley H. Dudley, Uncle Shazam pops up and he, 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 he goes to bat for Billy in times of, you know, the, the whole, uh, alter egos threatened. Um, then Freddie comes into the picture and he's injured in a boating accident. And, you know, Captain Marvel Jr., like, it's the whole Shazam family just bubbles up to the surface. And Talky Tawny is Mary insane because she has these, mental conversations maybe with talky tawny he's in the room with her like so mary could be very much nuts we don't know um i i i love every page of this thing it's just it's it's simple unfettered comic book goodness and there is an honest to gosh link to the triangle air superman in the fact that blaze plays a big part in the in the the first 12 issues and blaze played a big part in triangle air superman so it's like what i'm home damn it this is a great comic i hope dap feels the same way and he doesn't turn the tables on me like department of truth but i would probably deserve it i would never do that (laughs) i'm not that petty um i i remember seeing the solicits um I remember, actually no, that's not true. I remember because this this was the mid nineties. Um, I think I remember. I knew Ordway was going to do the um, the the hardcover graphic novel. Um, was it hardcover? Yeah. Oh, there's, there's hardcover I remember version. something with a foil lightning bolt on it. Yeah, that may be um, this. Yeah. That's that's that that that's the the cover under the desk jacket. Ah. Um, and, but again, because I, and it's weird. I'm, I'm kind of glad I, well, I don't know if it would have helped back then. Um, the way, and it, it, I mean, you know, realistically it makes sense if, if, if you put somebody in this position, you know, that, that when, when Billy becomes Captain Marvel, he reacts, um, somewhat like a child and, and he, he's more, He's more upset at the wizard for putting him in this position and kind of throwing a temper tantrum. Um, but he he does pretty quickly use the powers for good and 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 foiling some um, some ne'er do wells and and that's you and hate that's what kids. You, want. you hate but kids. I, I, that's yes, what it is. That, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. You and, hate and, kids. And this 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 is pretty much this is the version. That was in the Shaken Kane Elseworld story because this this is exactly that Billy Batson who grew up and wanted to be with Wonder Woman. 
Um, and you're crazy. It's I'm just saying it's right here on the page. I mean, I'm not, I'm not crazy. It's not a dull, but you have um, the again. It looks absolutely fantastic. I love you know the Art Deco look of it. It's it, is it is it 1934 or is it ni- you know? So it's there's there's no way nobody's got cell phones or anything, but there's no real Thank way God. to know. You have all the cars that look like they're from a certain era. Some of the buildings look a certain era, but everything else. The holy moly's and everything like that. It just it it lets you know this is kind of an era it's supposed to be in, um, or that Fawcett City exists in a sort of bubble, a chrono bubble that you know they they worship the Art Deco aesthetic and everything's simpler and easier and more laid back in in Fawcett City. Yeah, I don't know. Belmonts and no, yeah. I get it. it's it's you know listen it's it's I like that it 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 kind of it and I don't know how many issues. I don't know how long the series ran before they started doing, you know, guest stars or crossovers. And, and um, you know, this isn't this isn't the the Captain Marvel who showed up in the first few issues of the Giffen de Mateus Justice League. This is the, the Ordway. Was, and Ordway has a love for the character, obviously. But this was this is Ordway kind of, I, I think, um, kind of. Uh, bringing him into because it is it, it, it it's a dark story i mean you got people literally getting backstabbed you have uh there's, there's he stabs there's the nanny rips the nanny apart like what the hell and 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 but there's also dirigibles so if you like batman animated series you're in luck but there's just yes um, who doesn't like dirigibles the, but the, the uh, cool thing about black adam is once black adam is stripped of his powers he forgets and he can't talk so he can't say the words that make him Black Adam. That's the that's a neat little safety yes. valve on Black Adam because if it was you know if we it was if it was Captain Marvel versus Black Adam every issue would be freaking boring, right? right? And and they they obviously were setting this up to continue because we don't know what happens. You know we don't see Mary again until you know so so it's not this isn't this. You know, as, as far as Billy becoming Captain Marvel, it's kind of a, a complete tale. But there's enough here where there's enough things dangling where someone's got to come and pick them up and continue the story. And, and Ordway does because he's going to then write right. the Power of Shazam comic book. There's even there's a great couple of pages where a um, couple of panels where you see Betty Page. Um, no, that's not Betty. Well, it is Betty Page, but right. you know where that's from. It's from the Rocketeer. It's exactly from the Rocketeer. Yeah, it's, it's so what it's, we're doing his best, Dave Stevens. Yeah, but it, it the thing Absolutely that gorgeous. blew my mind is like the Black Adam Captain Marvel fight is so big that it catapults out of the DC universe and into the Dave Stevens Rocketeer universe, and it's like <laughs> Black Adams they're fighting, and Black Adams bloodthirsty as hell. And he's like yeah. little kid, like you should be looking at naked ladies. Like, he said, thanks for the Eiffel sister. Seriously, you if you saw Betty Page naked in a room, well, Betty in the Rocketeer universe, if if you saw Betty slash Betty Page naked, who what what heterosexual man wouldn't look at Betty Seriously. Page? Like, give me a yeah. break. But anyway. Yeah. No, this. I mean, I'm. I'm. I. I don't know if it would have been ruined or wasted on me back then. Um, you know, I'm. I'm. I. I'm glad I read the graphic novel for for Ordway. Um, you know, I know it's weird. I. I. 
if I asked Lord Way for a commission, I'd 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 want a Superman, but he'd probably sure. have more fun drawing Captain Marvel. Um, and when it comes to to artists, there are times where I'd rather them have fun drawing something than just hey, draw another Wolverine or Spider Man or you know. So it's it's um, I this was this was this was a really good story. It's if if uh, now listen, I mean, I'm not. I don't want my, my, what I know of Captain Marvel, aside from various world's finest stories, uh, or the DC comics presents where Rich Buckler drew Mm. Captain Marvel in Superman's suit and Superman and Captain Marvel's suit and mix and, and everybody was involved in, in, in this big mix up. Um, and I really, it's, it's odd, but I really, really uh enjoyed the uh the Shazam movie last year. So I mean I, I don't it, it I don't I don't I'm not dry heaving, I don't retch when the character comes up, but it is he's he's not really no no at no point have I ever said, Oh sweet Captain Marvel's in this, I gotta read this. You know, so it's not Well that's a character it, flaw. That's, I'm sure it is. That's one of that. many. One of many, <laughs> no doubt. Um but when you have that. somebody who absolutely has love for the character it's very easy to enjoy the story that they're telling with that character. And, and, um, and I appreciate that someone has actually taken time to craft a tale with a character that I normally would just shrug off, but it's not just only because it's Ordway, but because it's Jerry Ordway telling a tale featuring a character that he's a fan of that, that makes it that much better. So I, I, um, I will, if I come across any issues, I'm I'll 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 flip through them because I do like Krauss, I do like Manley, and and seeing Krauss and Manley work together. I mean, we were talking about Manley last week. Uh, oh, on his you just read the Black one Panther. shot. You just read the one shot. I just read the uh, yeah. Uh, that's oh. all I had time for. Okay, that well, hey, that's cool. I could, I wouldn't expect you to read twelve issues, but no, it, and it's I, so I mean, I, I I I was flipping through. Um, I I was reading. Um, I had the first one ready to go, and I was like, I should read something. I, d- I didn't know how far you had read. So I, I read saying, them all. I, well, I, just, sure. I bought the hardcover. So I read the, the, the 12 issues and the one shot and the, this little tiny uh, additional story. There's a great intro by Ordway where he lays it all out and, and uh, you know, lo- lots of background information. But I got, you know, I think I had a laugh was. All the ladies throw it at Captain Marvel in the twelve issue series, or the twelve issues that are added to this. Like, like um, Billy has uh, issues with Mrs. Wormwood, his teacher, because he's always yeah. he's not at school and he's either selling papers or he's doing um, the the radio show, you know, right? So he's he's always late for school, and so he does this thing where he pretends he's his uncle Eben Batson. Yep. And the one who kicked him out. Who the one who kicked him out, yeah. Right. Uh, and the, she's like, oh, you're a handsome man. Like, everybody. He goes to a party that Eben's son, who's uh, the Lex Luthor, let's just say, not in a nefarious, super nefarious way, but he's the Lex Luthor of the series. He throws a party, and all like the, the chicks are throwing it at Captain Marvel. Like, hey, what are you doing? Billy's, what, he's 12, 13 years old? Yeah. I don't, His, do. I don't know what to do with that thing other than pee with it. So, you know, whatever. 
Oh, I love this. I'm sorry, but it's I. I've... No, I'm glad you do. I, it, it's um, yeah, the pages I've seen of of the series. It, it does. I, I think also what kind of gets on my nerves is the fact that that Billy refuses to change his goddamn shirt. Come on, did you ever say that about Charlie Brown? No, it's comic strip. That's this. That's ridiculous. This isn't his uniform. This is This isn't. He's. He's. He's not. It's the same thing. Did Calvin every, change his shirt? Maybe. Calvin's not a good idea. Uh, did, did, no. But anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, it, it. Captain Marvel for me is the influence of mythology on human development. Because the, the, the Shazam is very specific in detailing what powers and from whom Captain Marvel gets. And it's, it's all mythology laid out. So conceptually, it's, it's the potential for mythology to influence the development of the human genome into a better, stronger, more resilient entity. So yes, it's not I know it's not magic, but I mean, we are influenced by mythology. A lot of our, our, I mean, there's not a Christian on the planet that's not influenced by mythology, right? It defines their lives and tells them, you know, how to act and behave and what to, what to aspire to and what to believe. So, I mean, come on. Mythology is very powerful. And in this instance, you have a being that is actually, made up of mythology and he's a, a, an entity that can go toe to toe to Superman. So yeah, I love it. And I love Captain Marvel. So whatever. I just thought this, this uh, 12 issues, this hardcover was great. So if, awesome. if, if you got some, and it's on toothy paper too, which is nice. That, that, um, that thick newsprint toothy paper that they used for the, um, the Kirby fourth Kirby world. Stuff? Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. So it's good stuff. Go get it. Power Shazam Volume One. It's not expensive. If we uh, find it at a um, at a con in in twenty twenty three, you let me know. True, but I mean, I got it from Discount Comic Book Service, so it was half price. Yeah, I didn't, didn't, because I wasn't looking for this, so it's not true. This was never going to make it into my cart. <laughs> I'm just saying. You need to stop it's, this I'm, child abuse that you have. You hate children. Stop it. You notice how DAP keeps pushing the next con we go to out another year every time we <laughs> right. <go. laughs> yeah. I mean, real. Vince I... and I will be in Charlotte in June 2021. Okay. Then so will I. I don't know if we'll be there for a con, but no, listen, I'll, yeah, wherever you guys are going, I'm going. You Go know who else it. might be in... Uh, They're going to have the con. You know who else might be in Charlotte in 2021? Who dis? My boy. Who's your boy? My, my son. He wants to come. Really? Yeah. Why? Where does he want to go? He wants to go. I told him about the barbecue and the the burnt ends and the whole. He wants to come to the con. Yes. Oh, hard pass can't happen. Why, my son? Why? No, Sal. Vinny Beans can't come to the con. <laughs> He's not a man yet. Okay. <laughs> in New York for like a day. In Charlotte, we got shit to do. All right. He's gonna hang with us at the diner. He can't stay up that late. Oh no! Wait, you... no, it's your kid. Seriously, well, are you kidding me? No, he can't. He can't get turned. What? <laughs> he can get turned like on the low low. He can't get turned in the in the yeah, bar though. No, no, no. But he'll he'll hang out with Mario in the car. It's fine. 
I don't know I if mean, I want my son hanging around Mario. So, hang, I mean, if you want to bring him, that's cool. But like, <laughs> Dad, Mario's got the the herb in the car. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Only you would like endorse your kid smoking the herb. Hey, that's all mind, natural. Expand your mind. Better than cigarettes. It's true. Totally. All right, that was awesome. Hey, everybody, if you want to get your books, get them fast, get them delivered straight to your door. There's only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Sorry, DCBService.com has everything in the previews catalog for a fraction of the price. And if you fuck up and don't get the Man of Steel hardcover volume one, you can add it to your order when volume two is solicited. It's the best (laughs) thing ever. Right, Dap? Don't say that. I want to make sure we get our copies. Fuck it. DCBService.com has everything. We love you. In your travels. I'm not taking that out. I have been um, revisiting a lot of the new 52 stuff. And I am currently on The Flash by Francis Manipal and Brian Bucciolato. I'm not going to go deep. What happened to Bucciolato, by the way? I don't know. But I really like the way the guy writes. Um, yes, it's Barry. Sorry. Uh, it's not the one true Flash, but it's Barry. Oh, it is. You just said it's Barry. Yeah, but it's not the Flash. It's Flashlight. No, uh, it's not. <laughs> so um, it's I, I can if you can get me engaged in a story featuring Barry, you won. I consider you a good writer, and that's exactly what happened. Um, uh, there, there is a lot of uh, this is going to be uh, redundant, but there's a lot of development with the rogues, uh, which is cool. But the thing, the hook for me is Gorilla City, and the fact that um, the Flash is a mythological character to the gorillas in Gorilla City. Like there's, there's. Um, uh, a uh, structure that features uh, the passage of uh, the thing that they call the lightning bringer. That the the reasons the gorillas in Gorilla City exist is to be a beacon for the lightning bringer. Like that is cool to me. That the fact that this uh, society of super intelligent apes exists for one reason to draw the lightning bringer because the flash gets stuck in the in the speed force and the the reason the only reason why he gets out of it is because the gorillas in gorilla city and grod kills his father eats his brains because he's power mad and it's awesome like they have this tapestry of events that's carved into the side of this piece of architecture detailing that, yeah, we're basically here for you. They have this structure, this this lightning rod that draws the Flash out of the Speed Force. That's cool. And there's an ongoing thing, struggle with Grodd and uh, the Flash that's ridiculous. Like at the end of Volume 2, you think, oh, story's all wrapped up and the, with the rogues, and you get these pods that are jettisoned into central city and it's fucking grod <laughs> like out of nowhere oh the story's not over here's grod and all his buddies that have a you know boner with barry because he escaped and blah 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 but so if you're looking for something to read that's really good on this and as far as the art is concerned my god francis Manipal is a monster he's just the visuals are just 
incomparable. But anyway, it's Barry. So uh, I think I read I read uh, Flash volumes one, two, and three. I have four and five that's loaded. It. What do you mean that's it? That's like slacker. Job. Um, I got four and five loaded. Six is coming on the way, but that's not Manipal and Bucciolato. I think they the volumes one to five proper is their run. Uh, but it's great. New 52 Flash, really good. Extremely good. You can get the volumes for very uh, inexpensively on eBay and or if you have an Ollie's. I'm, sh- I'm sure you could find them there too. This might be the quickest I put my um, my order in at DCBS to make sure I get my copy of Superman and Man is Steel Hardcover Volume 1 when I order Volume 2. Um, <laughs> I'm probably going to do the previous video before, I'll do the previous video after I, um, I submit my order. But, um, oh, I'll just, no, I'll place the order and I'll just keep adding to it. But anyway, um, the, I did receive most of, I did receive my DCBS box today. Um, and there are things in here that I cannot wait to read, like Lightfall and Space Battle Lunchtime. Um, I even ordered that damn Animal Farm that Vince was pushing. But um, in your travels, teased it last week because I was waiting. I, I think Jason had read it, and I wanted to make sure I finished it. But in your travels, um, this came out last week, uh, An Unkindness of Ravens. Read it, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, Dan Panosian writes great startup, the uh, setup for a tale. Um, Mariana Ignazi, great illustrations, um, and uh, colored by Fabiana Mascolo. Um, yeah, I like it enough. It, it, there's enough here where, where Dan doesn't blow his wad and, 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 tell you everything about everyone um you're getting kind of strung along and maybe it's 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 hitting me just right because i just finished um the second season of cobra kai and that of course takes place in high school for um the first season for the most part and 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 this is a high school and um kids maybe getting bullied and 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 so there's just there's i'm in that kind of mood right now but i I got to the last page and and I was just I I need the rest of it now. I'm kind of bummed that it's only five issue miniseries. Maybe it'll be a series of miniseries, but I um I I I love the characters. I love the look of everything about it. Um, if uh, if you were sleeping on it, then 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 wake the fuck up. This an unkindness of ravens number one. Uh, absolutely something I think. Uh, everybody should read because i think everybody will enjoy it sometimes you am smart i am sometimes just very few times yeah i mean i'm with you it's i felt like it was written where it could just be what it is if sales don't justify more but clearly he set it up where we can get a lot more yeah so uh in your travels we talked about the first two issues of this book quite lovingly and collectively but we didn't uh, ever tell anyone if we finished it and I'm not even sure if you two have finished it, but uh, in your travels, because uh, I'm holding the hardcover uh, from DC Black Label under an imprint known as Hill House, 
written by Joe Hill with incredible art by Leo Max and colors by Dave Stewart. Uh, I'm talking about a basket full of heads. Um, I have the hardcover. Yes, cover. Uh, yeah, it's it's it looks like rice paper. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, and it was a seven issue miniseries. Um, I had read like the first three or four, and then COVID happened, and then so I double dipped. I do have all the issues, but I ended up just kind of being in my regime, and then the hardcover came. So I sat down and basically reread the whole thing in one sitting and I'm better for it. Um, it's great, man. It's great. I mean, um, I reserve the right to change my opinion when I reread some of these other <laughs> Hill house books when I get them. But like, I think this was the best of that first crop. Um, mainly because of Leo max. Um, the premise is pretty simple. Uh, small Island beach resort town in the summer, a uh, very fetching young lady named June branch comes to the island at the very end of the summer season to hook up with her, meet up with her boyfriend who has been spending the summer there as a, uh, like a, a deputy of sorts, a non gun wielding deputy to help keep of the peace. And, uh, and as she's getting there, they're embroiled in a, a bit of a to do as a young lady has committed suicide off of the bridge that leads from the mainland to the island. And also there have been, uh, there's been a prison break where four convicts have escaped and are on the island, and uh, hijinks ensue. There's a supernatural element involving a ancient Viking artifact in the form of an axe that, uh, and and we've t- we talked about this because it's the premise of the first issue. Um, she uses it to defend herself in a home invasion and chops off the Nerdwell's head, but he is uh, he remains alive and sentient. So this axe somehow allows you to decapitate people, and their 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 uh, their heads stay animate. Uh, but uh, I thought it was great from start to finish. I love the way it ended. It's basically a giant revenge tale uh, with a strong female protagonist, and I thought it was a fitting ending, not dissimilar to what you might see in a Black Mirror or Twilight Zone or an EC comic. Seemed very kind of a seemed like this book felt like Joe Hill's homage to the old EC tales in his own way, and uh, I don't know how you don't view that as great given our collective love for EC and and certainly I think Joe Hill is a is a phenomenal modern day horror writer. So uh, yeah, I loved every bit of it, and uh, this will not be a hardcover that finds its way into a care package because I'm gonna hold on to this one. Nice. I have a uh, basket full of heads and low, low woods coming in my next shipment. Low, nice. low. Yeah. Plus Animal House and, or sorry, Animal Farm and a uh, bunch of stuff that, uh, Dap, you let me know when you're done with uh, Lightfall so I can read it for next ep- for uh, an episode. Okay. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time. We'll be back uh, very soon. 700. Yeah, something special, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, if we can get a hold of Roy. Uh, in the, uh, if, if, <laughs> if, if if you want a whole bunch more of this, you go to the Facebook and the Reddit and the Twitter and the Instagram. We're there. We have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Lots of stuff going on there. The Slack is always bumping with the EOC familia, just loving being with each other. So uh, check that out. In the meantime, 
Do yourself a solid, wear a mask, wash your hands, kiss your loved ones, make sure that you get your ass to the polls and vote, um, and just say goodnight. That was kind of good. I'm a little surprised that that came out like that. David. Good night. See, you didn't even try it. That's how good it was. I love it, man. That was great. I, I don't know about great. I said it was great. Okay, you hate kids too. Dave. Nice. We'll be back. You go have some fun. Um, and uh, I don't know when we'll be here, but we will be here. Say good night, gentlemen. Good night, gentlemen. gentlemen. Mm. That's it for that one. <laughs>